the deputy minister, um, the a minister, the deputy minister, DG, and her entire team, our staff, um, both portfolio committee and the home affairs colleagues uh, in the media space. Uh, we are convening this uh, portfolio committee. Um, as you know, that we're on a constituency period. We want to welcome you all to this uh, portfolio committee. We'll be dealing with the report from the uh, Department of Home Affairs on their APP and budget uh, uh, a vote. And also, also we'll be receiving a report on the intervention by the department. Um, as you know, that uh, we experienced a difficult period in Eastern Cape in, in KZN on the floods. And as you know, that uh, there are uh, people who lost their lives and we extend our condolences uh, to those that have lost their lives and speedy recovery to those that have got injured. And you know that uh, there were damages caused and hope that uh, uh, our people and government in terms of their intervention. We are also uh, um, uploading the Department of Home Affairs uh, for responding swiftly in the course of action intervention uh, for services uh, in those uh, area for people to, or the people of KZN and or those that have been affected by the uh, floods to receive uh, services that are related to home affairs documentation so that they're able to um, action some of the issues that are, are, will require the documentation. We, we applaud uh, the work that the department continues to doing and the waiving of some of the requirements, uh, particularly on the fees that uh, to be uh, complied with for our people to get services. We want to extend that appreciation to the minister, deputy minister and your team that you are on the ground to assist uh, uh, our people. Where there are weaknesses, the challenges, we do understand, but at least the uh, service that must be rendered to our uh, our people. We know that uh, we, when we closed uh, Parliament, we rise in Parliament, we engage in the process of, or before we rise, we engage on the public hearings um, on the electoral amendment bill in which the uh, ITM will be dealt with uh, later uh, in the week. But quite important to appreciate members of the portfolio committee, both those that were leading the inland and the coastal team, we're having making sure that uh, they've interacted and listened to the people of South Africa, stakeholders and other political parties who are in parliament and those that are not in parliament and contributing to this amendment, electoral amendment bill of uh, that is before the portfolio committee. I must appreciate all members of the portfolio committee, the staff of the portfolio committee and the, the parliament that have been assisting us to make sure that all the public hearings are successful and we're able to listen to the views that are expressed and comments uh, from uh, members of the of the public. During the recess, the, the chairperson of the IC, Mr. Mashinin, uh, his term of office has ended. And I think it would be important for us as members of the portfolio committee to extend appreciation for his service to the uh, uh, IEC, the contribution uh, with his collective. 
And you know that uh, the process of uh, uh, interviewing commi a commissioner that myself in the uh, IEC has already under undergone and the report has been referred by the speaker to the portfolio committee. We'll then able to schedule that item uh, once we've interacted and consulted, consulted with members of the portfolio, portfolio committee. What also to extend our appreciation for the service rendered for the three years almost and the 13 years uh, at the Department of Home Affairs, Mr. McKay, who will be taking off in his retirement uh, this week, uh, but in, in fact, on Friday, want to extend uh, uh, and appreciate your work and services you've offered to the people of South Africa in ex extending your hand and knowledge and experience uh, to service uh, uh, the people of uh, the country. And I must extend uh, our appreciation minister to and deputy minister to Mr. McKay and hope his uh, expertise uh, as it been required by yourself as a department as we engage to improve the work of the Department of Home Affairs. You will always uh, be av available. So extending that uh, appreciation uh, to you, uh, uh, Minister and the DM, uh, and extend them to the uh, Mr. McKay. Lastly, quite evident that the department has been engaged on the uh, issues uh, that are current, on the immigration issues, and the corrupt uh, uh, fight that uh, you have engaged on. And I think in the last uh, year, we did request that the corrupt, uh, anti-corrupt unit of your department to come and give us a detailed brief on the progress challenges uh, on how the, in, the department is engaging to fight this corruption within and outside, but on the matters that are related to home affairs. We do uh, comment, uh, comment uh, your work uh, that has been demonstrated uh, uh, in the previous, uh, and I think as a result of the uh, uh, collaboration between us and yourself in making sure that uh, we uproot these corrupt activities that uh, are negatively affecting the service delivery. And you must continue to do that, extend the, our appreciation to the uh, uh, TTG uh, presiding over the portfolio anti-corrupt unit in our department that we have evident, but at a particular time also request the briefing from the department to take us to the portfolio committee into confidence or the public on the work that uh, has been uh, un, un, uh, put in place uh, in relation to this uh, fight against corruption. I want to then welcome uh, Mr. Matonsi on the item number two, uh, apologies, uh, uh, to render apologies, then we'll invite the minister to uh, introduce his team and uh, table the uh, present, the, uh, give us a presentation you must know that uh, we have uh, requesting that, it, as you know, that the president, uh, His Excellency, Excellency President Ramaphosa today, he will be addressing the joint sitting, and we're expected to at least to uh, end the meeting by 12 o'clock so that we allow members of the portfolio committee to attend the, uh, the joint sitting. It will be important that ourselves, uh, because we've received this report, the briefing presentation, uh, the minister, you will be able to talk to some of the critical issues so that we are able to give members enough uh, time to interact with the, with, the, with the report 
and also give you enough time to brief us on the intervention in KZN and Eastern Cape. So we were going to be at least managing time so that it is by 12 o'clock we have uh, concluded the business of the meeting. Mr. Matunti? Hi, good, good, good morning, everyone. Um, the, are you chairperson? Yes, Mr. Matunti. Oh, okay. No, okay. It's, my screen just disappeared. Okay. Um, from the member side, this, there are no apologies. The only apology is from uh, our researcher who's, who's not feeling well, and also uh, Mr. Salmon, who's, who's on leave, chairperson. Thanks. That's all. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going now to invite uh, the minister. I have not checked the, the attendance, but I hope the minister of the DM. Mr. Mzolili. Thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you very much, Chairperson, and thank you, <coughs> honorable members. Uh, maybe let, let, let's start by asking the DG to introduce his team before, before I, I go on. DG? Yes. Good morning, uh, Minister. Good morning, uh, Deputy Minister, and also the chairperson of the Portfolio uh, Committee and uh, members. The delegation from our side uh, comprises as Minister has requested me to proceed with it. It's uh, DDG Tulani Mavuso, who's uh, representing uh, institutional planning and support, and also DDG Makei, uh, as you indicated in your introduction, who leaves uh, the public service after 14 years at the Department of Home Affairs from Immigration, DDG Thomas Degama uh, from Civics, uh, DDG uh, Counter Corruption and Security Services Advocate Constance Muyitza. And then acting DDG HR, Medambane Mulifes Fanyeto, Chief Director responsible for planning policy, uh, Mr. Sitlem Tiane. Then from the BMA, the uh, Commissioner, Dr. Mike uh, Masiapato, the Deputy Commissioners, uh, General Chilembe, Mejain Tupana. And then from the Ministry, it's the Chief of Staff, Mr. Mudupi Maisela Kamtuli. Uh, Muzi Njoko, the Parliamentary Liaison Officer, Madiete Makua, the Parliamentary Officer, Sia Koza, the MLO, and Mr. Bongi Guala, Chief Director Coms, Mr. Rian uh, Pio, uh, Strategy and uh, Policy uh, as well. So that's the team. CFO uh, is also technology, is being represented by Mr. Vukani uh, Nasana. Thank you so much, Minister. Thank you, uh, DJ Minister. Yeah, thank you very much, Chair. I need to apologize for my voice. It's a little bit gravely, uh, honorable members. I just woke up from the whole week of being down with flu since I came back from Bait Bridge on the Easter weekend. This is my first uh, <clears throat> official engagement with, with government, so please bear with me. Uh, uh, when you recognize disturbances on my side. Uh, Chairperson, uh, I'm going to allow the DG <clears throat> to take you through this uh, <clears throat> annual performance uh, plan, but there are just a few things which I wish to highlight. The first one being this topical issue about migration. 
there has been, of course, a, a belief that uh, we're not doing anything in migration. That's why you find other groups uh, in communities taking the law into their own hands. In the previous financial year, the migration inspectors uh, conducted 220 operations. When we say operations, we mean, uh, you know, participating in roadblocks, but also visiting uh, particular institutions to check if migration laws are not being broken. We have decided, uh, because of what's happening, to double that from 220 operations to 540. On the civic side, you are aware that we had lost our capacity during COVID to produce a certain number of IDs per annum, which is what we've been doing, especially since the, the, the establishment of the smart card in 2013. In the previous financial year, we produced 1.2 million IDs in this financial year, in this APP. We are doubling that to 2.2 million so that we stabilize towards uh, reaching the, the number where we used to be uh, pre-COVID uh, days. And then the third thing we want to do is to stabilize hospital connectivity. Members are aware that we have decided that uh, the, the, the basic uh, premise for identification of a person is their birth certificate. If everybody obtains a birth certificate, it becomes much, much more easier in future uh, to provide them with IDs because we actually know their origin. It becomes more difficult to provide people with IDs when they just approach the department for the first time when they are adults. And we are aware that honorable members, including members of the public, don't understand that. They believe it's very easy. You just present yourself and everything goes. Not realizing that if that is the case, every human being on the planet will easily get an ID in South Africa and it will cause very, very serious complications as we have already seen. So in order to make sure that we, we deal with this part, we thought let's start at hospital where death, where, uh, excuse me, please, where birth is taking place and uh, I had just received statistics about vital statistics on the continent of Africa in terms of how countries are faring in, in, in giving identities to our nationals. Number one is Egypt, and uh, South Africa is number two. Number one is Egypt. I think they are somewhere at 98%. Number two is South Africa. We are somewhere at 9%. There are countries that are as low as 20%. The reason that Egypt is so far advanced is that they, 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 they are the first to, to, to commit to this issue of hospital registration after birth. We started after Egypt, as you know. Our, our backlog is that just after we have started, COVID struck and we could not expand it. So we just want to stabilize it because it's a very important thing. Then comes the issues of BMA, which you will get the report from. I'm sure you'll see that since the appointment of the commissioner last November and the deputy commissioner uh, in, 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 in December, 
a lot of work has been done and the interministerial committee uh, the i'm sure you are aware that the bill established an interministerial committee whereas all the other interministerial committee in government since the first days of democracy are appointed by the president as required and as he chooses this particular interministerial committee is not a choice of the president but is a choice of the bill where it names nine ministers who must sit uh, uh, as a statutory body to control uh, the borders and that group of uh, ministers is chaired by the Minister of Home Affairs. Uh, that interministerial committee has already said twice uh, to give direction to the Border Management Authority, and, and uh, uh, it has already adopted the program, the statutory program of meeting four times a year, but also meeting as required. But I think you'll get the full report from the, the commissioner, Dr. Masia Pat. Then the last thing which I just want to mention to members is capacitation. You are aware that the department has been in a very, very tight corner on the issue of uh, which this committee has debated many times, the issue of the, 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 the number of the staffing in the department ever since Treasury some years back, I don't know whether it's three or five, uh, told the department that uh, gave them a ceiling about uh, the compensation of employees. One of the departments that suffered uh, immensely is the, uh, the Department of uh, Home Affairs, especially on the civics branch. We did develop a, a plan, uh, a proposition which we gave to Treasury. And uh, you remember that Treasury gave us two 66 million rand. And I've noticed that uh, members were confusing this with the, 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 the what you call the, <clears throat> the 10,000 uh, 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 unemployed graduate, the program for digitization. These are completely two different programs altogether. It's only that you came to know about them at the same time. But the capacitation program of 266 million rand is completely separate from digitization where we're looking at how many staff members do we add and we have decided to capacitate especially the counter corruption for obvious reasons for the amount of work they are doing ever since February when we did that uh, uh, operation in our offices in, 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 in Kruger Stop the amount of tip-offs we are getting from members of political parties, members of the public, and also political parties is overwhelming and heartwarming, uh, 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 honorable members. Every single day, people are pointing to where they think things are happening, and they are coming up because they now see action is being taken. So we have decided to increase the capacity of the counter-corruption by at least 12 members from the, the law enforcement agencies all around the country who are already experienced. We are going to try and mobilize them to join us. But the, the biggest increase we are doing in civics in order to deal with the embarrassingly long queues, part of the long queues, you, we have come to you many times to mention why there are so many long queues, but part of it is the issue of staffing. 
and we are going to try and increase the number of people, as you see, who are serving in civics. Also considering that during COVID, we lost 40 members in civics who are working in our front offices. Then we are also going to try and, and capacitate immigration. As I've already said, we are moving from 220 operation to four, 540 operation. Chairperson, uh, uh, let me stop there and give over to the DG to take you over. As we have already said, we don't have much time because of what's going to happen this afternoon. Th thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, Minister. <coughs> uh, uh, <coughs> thank you, Minister, for your remark. And uh, we're going to request the DG to present. I think the DG, you have uh, noted the committee request uh, to talk to the uh, presentation because at least we have uh, uh, gone through the, the presentation ourselves so that we work towards uh, managing our, 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 our time. DJ? No, thank you so much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, thank you uh, to honorable uh, members. Um, Mozi, if we can load the uh, presentation, uh, please. DJ, I'm the one who's, uh, who's loading it. Are you not able to see it, DJ? No, we can see all your other details except the presentation. Okay, <laughs> okay let me just close. Thank you. It's on the screen. If we can have it on the slide mode, please, Mr. Matonzi. Okay, 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 DJ. Is it fine now, DJ? It's disappeared again. Okay, I think it takes time to appear. Oh. So no one can able to see it? No, we, we, we stand by the DG. So oh, okay. Close. I don't know, because I can see it from my side. Okay, let me... Can you... Can Ready, you, you must close it and reshare. Share your screen, then reshare. Yeah, that's what I've, I've done now. Uh, yeah, no, now we fine. go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, are you able to... Thank you so much. If we can move to the second slide, that's just the presentation outline. Uh, Chairperson, I won't take a lot of time. Uh, I think the purpose the minister has outlined uh, already. Uh, the outline will include the vision, the mission, of course, the mandate values, and then uh, what is it that we're doing to contribute to the National Development Plan, and then uh, our contribution in terms of commitments to the MTSF for, for the period 2019 to 2024, and then the National Annual Strategic Plan, those commitments. And then there are some key considerations that we had to look at for the 2022-23 Annual Performance Plan. And then there's a summary of the Annual Performance Plan targets, which will look at the work that we're doing in civics, immigration, the BMA, as the minister has indicated, and then administration. And then eight will look at the targets per branch for the various branches. And then we'll then provide an overview 
chairperson of the budget uh, for the financial year and then uh, a recommendation to the committee if we move to the next uh, slide uh, slide four um i think i've spoken to that one yeah slide four then speaks to the vision the mission mandate values and outcomes i think the committee is familiar with uh, uh, this slide uh, just to re-emphasize that uh, our vision is to ensure that uh, we build a south africa where identity status and citizenship are key enablers of citizen empowerment and inclusivity including economic development and national security on your top left it's really the mission of the department that we want to carry out uh, in terms of citizen empowerment and inclusivity, economic development and national security. How do we want to do this? By ensuring that uh, we have an efficient and secure custodian of citizenship and uh, civil registration. Secondly, we'll want to securely and strategically manage international migration and then to efficiently manage asylum seekers and refugees. And of course, the last one is to ensure that we efficiently determine and safeguarding the official identity and status of uh, persons. Below that, it's really the values that uh, we embrace as a department, being people-centered and caring, patriotic, uh, carrying out our work in a professional and uh, showing leadership, uh, ensuring that we are effective, efficient, innovative, ethical, and having integrity in terms of the work that we're doing around counter-corruption. And we must always be security conscious and uh, development uh, oriented. Top right is really the mandate of the department, which is broadly divided into two civic services and immigration services. I'm not going to restate the mandate. I think uh, this committee is familiar with uh, the first mandate, the second mandate, and the third mandate. And uh, on your bottom right, it's really the uh, outcomes that we'll speak to later on. If we can move to the next slide, uh, Mr. Matonzi. Uh, this is uh, how we're contributing to the National Development Plan uh, Chairperson, which is almost 10 years old uh, this year. The major focus, of course, of the NDP is to confront those interlinked challenges of poverty, uh, inequality, and uh, unemployment by ensuring that we achieve higher growth, uh, higher growth uh, rates. And uh, as Home Affairs, uh, there's a contribution that we make to the achievement of those uh, uh, targets or those objectives of the NDP. The first one, which is really ensuring that the inclusion of all citizens in democracy and development is enabled by providing them with a status and identity which gives them access to rights and services. And we have said this must be done in an efficient, effective and professional and secured manner. The second one is to ensure that uh, the DHA facilitate the acquisition of critical skills. And we do this uh, in partnership with the Department of Higher Education and Training so that we're able to build our own skills base. And the third one is to ensure that we drive an integrated and coordinated border management to ensure that our borders are effectively protected, secured and well managed. And then, of course, our contribution in terms of regional development, working with the SADC uh, through the uh, Department of International Relations and Cooperation and, of course, the AU. And then the last one is to seize opportunities that are presented by the fourth industrial revolution as we embrace uh, the technological advancements uh, so that we're able to build a capable and developmental state uh, by ensuring that uh, all our modernization programs are able to reduce issues of fraud and also the cost of doing business. If we move to slide six, uh, the slide, next slide then basically provides a chairperson a distinction in terms of the apex priorities and also the commitments in the revised MTSF uh, commitment. 
uh, two key apex priorities economic transformation and job creation on your left and then the other contribution that we make is towards social cohesion and safer communities with regards to the first one we'll want to ensure that there's an implementation of a revised visa visa regime through 90 percent of visa applications that are adjudicated within four weeks in this uh, financial year and then with regards to social cohesion and safer communities i think uh, we're losing you uh, dj are you able to hear me now maybe let me cut the video for sure you'll be able to hear me well now i think the minister spoke uh, to issues around the uh, establishment of uh, the uh, bma ensuring that uh, the bma is operational by uh, 23 24 financial aid 18 ports of entry in particular six segments of the land border law enforcement area and one community crossing point we'll want to ensure that uh, the bma is rolled out to an additional seven ports of entry and one additional segment of the land border law enforcement area by 2024 and then 100% of selected ports of entry equipped with the uh, biometric functionality by March 2024 and the last one really speaks to an automated biometric information system or ABIS implemented by 2022-23. Now if we move to the next slide Mr. Matonzi uh, the next slide basically speaks to the national annual strategic plan on the intervention that we're making the chairperson around ensuring that we have a secure border post through phased operationalization of the bma the indicator there is that we'll want to ensure that the bma is fully established by the financial year 2023-24 and then the target of course is the incremental establishment of the bma through the submission of pre-listing documents to national uh, treasury and then the second one is the number of ports of entry with BMA rollout per year. And then BMA rolled out at 46 ports of entry by incorporating frontline immigration staff, port health, agriculture, and access control functions into the BMA. And I think we've done a lot of work in this specific area. The last one is really in terms of the indicators to ensure that the number of land border law enforcement area segments with BMA border guards. And then uh, the target is to ensure that the BMA is incrementally rolled out in phases along three segments of the land border law enforcement area uh, with regards to the border guards. If we move to the next slide, it's really the key considerations that I spoke about earlier on for the 2022-23 financial year, which covers essentially chairperson the fourth year of the uh, uh, MTSF uh, period. And I think here what's key is that in response, amongst others, to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had developed it's something that we've shared with the Portfolio Committee, a scenario-based approach mainly to civic services targets uh, since the 2020-21 financial year. I think based on lessons that we have learned in terms of how to manage the pandemic, we have now discontinued this scenario-based uh, approach. You'll recall that in certain instances, in particular for civics, we had reduced uh, the uh, targets based on the scenario-based uh, approach. And following advice both by the minister and the deputy minister, that scenario-based approach is discontinued for this financial year. The third area to consider is that at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, did have a significant impact on the performance and operations of the DHA. The minister has spoken to us losing more than 40 uh, employees and other activities. So it's important that uh, as the DHA takes forward some of the lessons that we have learned, we need to be able to focus on the following. One, 
to ensure that uh, we increase investment in technology, in particular the use of uh, artificial intelligence, to make sure that uh, we have an uninterrupted and also continue to provide quality services, to ensure that we implement the DHA service delivery and operating models, as well as its access model strategy, and to ensure the, uh, that we are ready uh, for future pandemics so that we're able to have uh, tools of trade uh, that are able to empower staff to ensure that we continue to provide services. The fourth one is to ensure that uh, the department timely and accurately uh, communicates to ensure uh, that uh, people are aware about some of the initiatives. And the fifth one is to ensure that we continue uh, provision of continuous oversight and management of staff and resources. And the last one is to ensure that we're fit for purpose infrastructure to accommodate uh, safe and secure service delivery. You will know about the infrastructure build program that we are embarking on. I think the minister has spoken adequately towards the business case that we submitted to Treasury and the funding allocation that we've received. We should be able, Chairperson, to fill 762 posts. A lot of these have uh, already been advertised. I think it started uh, last month already. Uh, we advertised positions for the uh, district managers. And then um, last week, there were office managers positions, including those for immigration. And that's the split uh, that's there, including the, what the minister spoke about with regards to information services. And then this will assist us uh, to deal with the severe uh, human resource capacity constraints, which was really uh, below uh, 40%. And other developments which we would like to highlight is that uh, we're also working with uh, other entities such as SACITA uh, to look at uh, the discretionary grant that we've received of uh, more than 3 million for recruitment and placement of uh, 50 interns in the DHA. And then, of course, uh, the minister will speak the appointment of the 10,000 youth for the digitization of records and modernization while we wait for Treasury to finalize that. The last point to make is that, uh, of course, as uh, Home Affairs, we remain cognizant of the increasing demands and expectations of the public to deliver quality services on a regular basis, in particular following the lifting of the national state of uh, disaster. And I think we'll continue, Chairperson, in our endeavors to find durable, lasting solutions to challenges such as system at downtime. We are working uh, hard with the private sector to ensure that uh, we stabilize our network and we look at uh, the uh, applications. And we believe that over the medium term, as the minister has said, we should be able to revert back to target performance levels prior to the commencement of the COVID-19 pandemic for key services such as early birth registration and the issuance of smart ID cards, as well as other enabling documents. On the next slide, it's other considerations that we have to look at. Uh, amongst others, uh, this will include uh, national priorities, ministerial priorities, and uh, departmental priorities. I think I've spoken to the contribution that we are making to the NDP, the APEX priorities, MTSF-related commitments. We've spoken to the National Annual Strategic Plan and com those commitments. Key here, uh, Chairperson, it's our contribution as the country continues to recover um, not only from the unrest in July, in terms of uh, the economic construction and recovery plans, what is our contribution there? And then the SONA commitments, and then of course the contribution uh, to this pandemic or the other pandemic uh, referred to this gender-based violence and femicide, and then the contribution to the district development uh, model or the DDM, and then crucial, it's the redevelopment of six land ports of entry as one-stop border post. And the last one, of course, is the repositioning program, 
uh, which looks at the six pillars of policy and legislation. I'm not going to go through all of them. If we can move to the next slide, which then provides a summary of the annual performance plan, the targets. And then the first one that we start with, it's really civic services. Uh, some of those initiatives that the minister spoke about are aimed at increasing birth registration within 30 calendar days. This is why we increasing the hospital, uh, we, we stabilizing the hospital uh, connectivity network to make sure that we are able to register those births at those hospitals. And then the minister spoke about the 2.2 million smart card issued to citizens. And then we'll want to ensure that 90% of machine readable adult passports are issued within 13 working days per year. And then similarly, uh, child passports issued within 18 working days per year. The next one then looks at immigration services. The minister spoke <laughs> about our increase in terms of ensuring that uh, we deal with uh, law enforcement uh, operations. Uh, we're increasing those from 220 to 200, uh, 540. These are inspections that will be conducted for targeted areas, uh, including activities such as uh, uh, not only roadblocks, uh, but uh, in conducting inspections in your transport, your logistics, your hospitality, your mining, your constructions, your retail, your farms, and so on and so forth. And then the second one, it's really ensuring that 85% of permanent residence applications per year are adjudicated within eight months of applications for those that are collected within the Republic of South Africa. And then 90% in order to ensure that uh, business and general work visas are adjudicated within eight weeks. And the last one, it's the 95% of critical skills adjudicated within four weeks uh, for applications processed within the Republic of uh, South Africa. The next one then looks at administration. In terms of administration, we focus on uh, three key activities. I think you, oh yeah, so apologies. Uh, if we can go back to the BMA, Mr. Matonzi, you're moving quite fast. I think on slide 14, uh, the first one is really the incremental establishment of the BMA through the uh, submission of pre-listing documents to National Treasury. Here, Chairperson, there's a number of activities that we need to do to make sure that before, uh, as you know, that the BMA is currently incubated within the Department of Home Affairs. We need to make sure that all the policies uh, related to finance, management and systems, all the policies with regards to HR management, uh, all policies uh, related to how we report on our budgeting. And of course, we need to make sure that the BMA uh, has an account uh, so all those activities are currently uh, unfolding. And this is the work that amongst others, the project manager, Mr. Jane Ravere, is focusing on to make sure that by uh, next year, 1st of April, the commissioner has indicated that uh, the BMA will be a standalone um, entity. The second one is to make sure that uh, the BMA is rolled out at 46 ports of entry by incorporating frontline immigration including Port Health, which uh, this committee is familiar with some of the challenges that we have had to face at the ports with regards to Port Health and then agriculture and access control functions. And then the next one is to ensure that the BMA is rolled out in phases along three segments of the land border law enforcement area. And these are the deployment of the border guards, starting with the border between KZN and Lesotho, the Eastern Cape and Lesotho, Free State and Lesotho. And then we'll want to ensure this committee visited a number of ports, including Libombo in particular, where you found that uh, ablution facilities were not uh, functioning optimally. And uh, the BMA, therefore, uh, 
will seek to assume that responsibility for facility management at 31 land ports of entry to make sure that we take responsibility and accountability for facilities uh, at the land ports of entry. And then at the end, uh, we will want to make sure that financial and contractual closure reached with the bidders in respect of uh, land development of uh, six priority land ports of uh, entry. That's with regards to the BMA. A lot of work, as the minister has indicated, is underway. With regards to the next slide that speaks to administration, Mr. Matonzi, on information services, we'll want to make sure that uh, the biometric movement control system or the BMCS is implemented at 34 ports uh, of entry. You'll recall that uh, due to the disruptions as a result of um, the COVID-19 pandemic, we were unable to take delivery of some of the equipment required for the BMCS. We've now taken a lot of delivery of uh, this equipment. You'll also recall that, that there was a shortage globally of uh, chips or a chip uh, that's required and uh, we've now taken delivery of some of this equipment secondly we'll want to ensure that an enhanced e-visa released in production and then the asylum seek and refugee system developed unto live capture and then uh, during this financial year we'll want to move and ramp up as we uh, once we've finalized phase one uh, of abs move towards phase two which will include uh, activities such as your iris recognition infant footprint and palm print, uh, back-end recognition capability uh, functional. And then with regards to the DG's office, we'll want to ensure that the DHE bill is tabled in parliament. And then of course, uh, the national identification registration bill, which needs to be submitted to cabinet for approval for public consultations. I think you'll recall that uh, this committee has looked at uh, your official identity management uh, policy previously. Similarly, with the marriage policy, we'll want to make sure that this marriage policy is submitted to cabinet for approval for public consultation. And then the uh, one stop border post bill also will want to submit to cabinet for approval for public consultation. And then of course, we need to enhance our work in the communication area. This is why we engage, will be engaging in 20 media engagements, six outreach engagements and three uh, campaigns. With regards to institutional planning and support, we want to ensure that uh, we finalize the draft white paper on the management of citizenship, international migration and refugee protection. This we hope we'll be able to submit to cabinet for approval. And then we'll want to ensure that the footprint development strategy is approved by the minister in support of the phased implementation of the revised service delivery model. And lastly, of course, uh, approval of the strategic accommodation requirements which we need to submit to public works as part of implementing the DHA access model. If we move to the next key areas, uh, counter corruption and security services, we'll want to ensure that four business process evaluations are conducted and we want to focus on late registration of birth, ID application, passport and death registration. That's what counter corruption wants to look at. And then 66% of reported cases of fraud and corruption finalized within 90 working days. So this is the work that counter corruption wants to do as and when we ramp up uh, activities or the fight against uh, corruption. And then we'll want to make sure that uh, there's 80 threat and risk assessments conducted in accordance with requirements of uh, the minimum information security standards, the MIS and the minimum physical security standard MPSS. And then we'll also want to make sure that uh, we finalize uh, 400 vetting files that are referred to SSA for evaluation. And then lastly, 
uh, HR, Management and Development, will want to ensure that the DHA gender-based violence and femicide plan is implemented as per approved implementation plan. And working with counter-corruption, they'll want to ensure that all 60% or all 60 of misconduct cases are concluded within 90 days. So the next slides then, Chairperson, will deal with the targets uh, per branch for this uh, financial year. The first one, the first one looks at civic uh, services. If we can move to uh, slide uh, 19. As the minister has indicated, we want to make sure that in terms of the output indicator, uh, we increase the number of births registered within uh, 30 calendar days. You'll note the previous year's commitment. We're increasing that by 50,000. That takes it to 750,000, including in the outer years. And then below, uh, it's a breakdown of uh, what we will do per quarter. Uh, quarter one, we'll want to make sure that uh, there's 145, 950, 300,000 of uh, those uh, registrations taking place. In quarter two, that increases to 206, 661, 100,000. Quarter three, 194, 891,000. And then quarter four, 202, 495,000. So that's what we will do with regards to that. The second one speaks to uh, the smart ID. Uh, cards issued to citizens uh, 16 years of age and above. Uh, the minister spoke about how we are ramping up that target from 1.6 to 2.2, and then below it's the breakdown uh, per quarter. Quarter one, 500,000, Quarter two, 550,000. Quarter three, 500,000. And quarter four, 500,000. So that's what we we'll want to do with regards to that. And then the next one speaks to the passports, a percentage of machine-readable adult passports um, issued within 13 working days. Uh, we want to maintain the same percentage. The annual target is 90% for this financial year. And then uh, per quarter, we'll want to keep the same momentum uh, producing at uh, 90%. If we can move to the next slide, the same one that will apply to uh, machine-readable passports for children. Uh, the annual target, 90%, and then the breakdown per quarter, again, we'll want to maintain the same momentum at 90%. So the next targets will then deal with immigration uh, services, uh, starting with uh, law enforcement uh, operations. Uh, the number of law enforcement operations are inspected, conducted for targeted areas. As the minister has indicated, 220 the previous financial year. This year, we're ramping that up to 540 and the breakdown per quarter is provided. Quarter one, we'll want to do 135. Quarter two, 135. Same with quarter three and uh, quarter four. And the next slide then gives this committee an illustration of uh, how we're planning to do that. At the top, uh, it's activities that will be conducted by head office and the provinces in terms of inspections. And those are the sectors that we'll want to go to. It's the farms, it's the roadblocks, in terms of operations, transport, logistics companies, this committee will be familiar with some of the protests that we've seen on the highways where uh, local drivers have alleged that uh, there's a lot of uh, foreign drivers employed. So we want to look into that space, manufacturing, wholesalers, hospitality, mining and construction. And then the provinces uh, will also uh, be um, making sure that they conduct those uh, inspections uh, and operations. And you'll note uh, we'll be undertaking in all these operations in all the provinces, Eastern Cape, Free State, Gauteng, KZN, Limpopo, Mpumalanga, Northwest, uh, Northern Cape, Western Cape, in a targeted 
uh, approach. That's what we're intending to do. We thought it's important to share with the committee this slide. If we move to the next slide, it speaks to the percentage of permanent residence applications per year that uh, needs to be adjudicated within eight months for applications collected within the Republic. Last year, the estimated performance target was 85%. So this year, the annual target remains at 85%. And then for quarter one, if you look at the cycle in terms of uh, how we approach this work, uh, the cycle of, would have been uh, from uh, 16th of August until uh, uh, August 2022, therefore, in quarter one, you wouldn't have had a population because some of those services were closed until January uh, this year. Quarter two, we'll want to keep the momentum at 85%, uh, quarter three, 85%, and then quarter four, 85%. If we move to uh, the next slide, uh, we'll speak to uh, the business and general work visas per year adjudicated within eight weeks. Uh, the annual target there is 90 and we'll want to keep the same momentum at 90% in all the quarters, quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, and quarter four. And then the next one speaks to critical skills, which is quite an important area to ensure that uh, uh, people that are coming into the country are the ones that are uh, indicated in the critical skills list. If we can move to slide number 28, which speaks to that. The uh, estimated performance last year was 85%. This year, we're ramping that up to 95%. And the breakdown will be for quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, quarter four. We want to keep the same momentum at uh, 95%. Then the next uh, slides will speak to areas under the Border Management uh, Authority uh, in terms of uh, the targets. If we can move to slide 30, the output indicator, you know that it says BMA fully established by the financial year 2023-24. A lot of activities were undertaken uh, last year, as the minister has indicated, the appointment of the uh, commissioners, the BMA remains uh, incubated. Uh, we're now working towards finalizing all those protocols. Some of them have already been uh, finalized with SARS. Uh, before the end of this week, the commissioner has indicated that they will be finalized one with the Defense Force. And then for this year in particular, the annual target is to make sure that the BMA is incrementally established through the submission of pre-listing documents to National Treasury. I've spoken to uh, those documents uh, already. If we move to slide 31, the next slide then speaks to what is it that we will be doing per quarter. For quarter one, we'll want to make sure that we fill all key management positions in corporate services and operations environment. Of course, that will include the work that we're doing around the uh, border guards. Uh, but three critical positions will be that of a chief director responsible for border control, chief director responsible for national targeting center, the chief director responsible for corporate support. And we'll want to ensure that the transfer of functions from departments of agriculture, land reform and rural development, health and SAPS uh, to the BMA according to section 97 of the constitution. A lot of work has already been done in this specific area. Uh, which will include the, the identification, identification and ring fencing of functions, personnel, budget, funds, assets, and liabilities. In quarter two, we'll want to make sure that the BMA budget structure is submitted to Treasury. These are some of the requirements for the pre-listing that we'll need to undertake in quarter four. And then in quarter three, we'll want to make sure that uh, these governance committees are established, audit, risk management, remuneration, and uh, human resources. And then quarter four, it's those pre-listing documents, including those policies, 
which need to be submitted to Treasury so that uh, by April, the PMA is an entity on its uh, own. If we move to the next uh, slide, it speaks to the number of uh, ports of entry with PMA rollout per year. Uh, you will recall that in the previous financial year that was not applicable. This year in particular, we'll want to make sure that the PMA is rolled out at 46 ports of entry by incorporating frontline immigration, port health, agriculture, and access control functions into the BMA. And then at the bottom of that slide, the number of land border law enforcement area segments with border guards per year. Uh, the previous year's uh, performance is illustrated in terms of uh, the rollout to uh, five segments of the land border law enforcement. The critical ones here are the border between South Africa and Zimbabwe, um, and then uh, Mangozi. So you've got the Mangozi, Skukuza, KZN, and Eswatini, and then um, Pumalanga and Eswatini. And then this year in particular, we want to roll out in phases along three segments. And these segments are KZN, uh, the border between KZN, Lesotho, Eastern Cape, Lesotho, and then uh, Lesotho, uh, Free State, and uh, Lesotho. That's what we are planning to do. If we move to slide number 33, it speaks to the number of community crossing points within the BMA rolled out. We were able, this in the previous financial year by March, uh, to roll out uh, the one community crossing point in Sidila Molomo. So that target uh, for this financially, it's not applicable. And then uh, in terms of uh, assuming responsibility for facility management at land ports of entry uh, for the previous financial year, that was not applicable. This year in particular, we'll want to resume uh, or assume uh, responsibility for facilities management at 31 identified land ports of uh, entry. If we can move to the next uh, slide. The next slide then speaks to the number of ports of entry with BMA rollout per year. Um, and then if you look at what we want to do in quarter one, we want to make sure that the port of entry rollout plans are approved by the commissioner. And then linked to that, it's important that we develop risk mitigation plans so that the commissioner has to look at and approve as well. Quarter two, we want to make sure that uh, that rollout is uh, done at 17 ports of entry. They are all listed there. And then in quarter three, we want to make sure that uh, we then uh, look at uh, 14 of those ports of uh, entry. In quarter four, we want to target the airports. All of them are listed uh, on your extreme right. If we move to the next slide, uh, slide 35 then speaks to the number of land border law enforcement area segments with border guards. And uh, this year in particular, it's the uh, BMA rolled out in uh, phases along three segments of the land border law enforcement area. Quarter one, uh, we spoke about uh, the border between Free State and Lesotho. And then quarter two, it's the border between the Eastern Cape and Lesotho segment. And then quarter three, uh, the border between KZN and Lesotho, and that's not applicable in uh, quarter four. And then the target for the facilities uh, management that we'll want to assume responsibility for in quarter one, we want to make sure that the process for the BMA to assume responsibility is concluded with the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure in line with the Government Immovable Asset Management Act or GIAMA. And then in quarter two, we want to make sure that uh, the available facilities uh, at the identified 31 ports of entry are audited so that we know what uh, we're taking responsibility for. 
quarter three, we want to ensure that uh, those ramp contractors that uh, they identified 31 ports of entry are appointed. And then in quarter four, uh, we want to ensure that there's a facility management metrics, which will include strategies, policies, budget uh, that needs to be approved by the BMA uh, commissioner. And then uh, the last target with regards to the BMA, uh, we'll want to make sure that by the end of this financial year, uh, the financial and contractual agreements are finalized or are reached with bidders in respect of the land development of six priority land ports of entry. Critical is to make sure that in, in quarter one, of course, we have submitted uh, that uh, all the documentation required to National Treasury. And then in quarter two, uh, we had hoped that by now, I think the committee will be familiar with the challenges that uh, Treasury is dealing with with regard to the Concord uh, decision. Uh, however, in quarter two, we hope that uh, all those issues, once are resolved, we will then proceed. Once we have received the bids, we'll then evaluate. In quarter three, we want to make sure that uh, contracts are negotiated with successful bidders. And we hope that by the end of the quarter four, uh, we should have finalized the financial and contractual uh, closure reached with those bidders with regards to the redevelopment of six priority land ports of uh, entry. So that's crucial uh, for us. Information uh, services, uh, that's the next area that uh, we're looking at on uh, slide number 38. Uh, the, with regards to this performance uh, for uh, this financial year, I think I spoke about the number of selected ports of entry with biometric movement control system implemented. The annual target is to make sure that we uh, get to the 34. Uh, once uh, we've done that, in quarter one, we make sure that uh, the stabilization report that indicates the functionality uh, of uh, the BMCS, and that report needs to be signed off by DDG responsible uh, for immigration to confirm readiness uh, of environment for BMCS. And then the in quarter two, again, uh, stabilization uh, report, but in particular, the key element that we'll be looking at is the network upgrades for 15 ports uh, that needs to be completed. And then in quarter three, we'll look at the BMCS implementation at uh, 15 uh, ports. And then in quarter four, BMCS implemented at 19 uh, ports. That's with regards to IS and the 34 ports that I spoke about are listed uh, on slide number 39, uh, the way the PMCs will be rolled out. If we move to the next slide, it speaks to the enhancement of uh, e-visa as a uh, pre-approved uh, change request. And I think uh, the annual target is to ensure that an enhanced e-visa is released in uh, production. Again, yeah, you'll recall that we rolled out this e-visa to 14 countries. The critical thing is to ensure that the system uh, functions uh, optimally. Uh, quarter one is the change request for e-visa system enhancement. And in quarter two, uh, enhancement in respect of uh, approved change requests. Here we'll be testing the vulnerability of the system and then the testing. And then in quarter four, uh, that's then released into uh, production. And then uh, in uh, on slide 41, it's really the uh, asylum seeker and refugee system developed unto life capture. That's what we'll want to do. And then with regards to ABS offset, it's ready to target and ensure that phase two uh, then uh, works uh, optimally. If we move to the next slide, you'll then have uh, the breakdown of uh, these uh, targets. 
with regards to the implementation of the asylum seek and refugee system in quarter one we'll want to ensure that this functional design specification which is approved by ddgis and then in quarter two we'll need the progress of, uh, report uh, that's submitted to exco and then in quarter three the asylum seeker and refugee system needs to be developed and then in quarter four um, that needs to be developed into life capture for functionality and similarly with regards to uh, abis we we'll want to make sure that by the end of uh, quarter one the draft front end and back end business requirements of gathering specification document is approved by ddgis and then in quarter two, the final front end and back end requirements gathering and interface architecture document needs to be approved both by IMS and civic services. And then in quarter three, those models for iris, infant footprint and palm print need to be developed into that ABS and life capture. And then in quarter four, functional testing and acceptance of the biometric modalities, both by the DDGs responsible for civic services and IMS. If we move to the next targets, these ones then speak to institutional planning and uh, support and slate, slate number 44 It's then the breakdown of those targets. The first one being the tabling of the citizenship, immigration and refugees bill in parliament for processing of the bill. The annual target there is really the draft white paper on the management of citizenship, international migration and refugee protection that will want to submit to cabinet for approval. If we move to the next slide, it's really the breakdown of uh, how we'll want to attain this target. In quarter one, we'll want to make sure that uh, the green paper is gazetted for public consultation, and we will be able to do this uh, further by conducting nine visual stakeholder workshops through the DHA stakeholder forums. And then in uh, quarter two, we'll want to ensure that we host a national uh, colloquium held with government and non-governmental representatives and then we'll also want to make sure that the draft white paper is submitted to the minister for approval and then of course we will need the final socio-economic impact analysis report which is submitted to the dpme for approval and then in quarter three we'll want to take the white paper to the various government clusters starting with the social cluster ICATS cluster the economic cluster and jcps clusters for approval and recommendation to cabinet. And then in quarter four, we'll want to make sure that uh, the draft white paper is submitted to cabinet for approval. If we move to uh, the next slide, it's really the phased implementation of the revised service delivery model or SDM. The annual target for 2022-23 is the development or the footprint development strategy approved by the minister and then the breakdown of the target is as follows. Quarter one, we'll want to make sure that the revised service delivery norms and standards are in line with the SDM, which is approved by the minister. In quarter two, we'll want to make sure that the revised footprint and model office design in support of the SDM is approved by the minister. And similarly, in quarter three, it's really the revised service delivery charter, uh, which supports the SDM. And then quarter four, we hope the minister will then have approved the footprint development uh, strategy. The next one then speaks to the SDM or the, no, the phased implementation of the DHA access model through the footprint optimization plan and the user asset management plan. And the, that's the annual target uh, approval of the strategic accommodation requirements. 
which we need to submit to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure as part of implementing the DHA access model. If we move to the next slide, you'll then have a, a breakdown of uh, this target per quarter. Quarter one will want to make sure that the draft user asset management plan for this financial year is submitted to National Treasury for infrastructure budget determination. And then in quarter two, the final user asset management plan is then submitted to both Treasury and Public Works for infrastructure budget determination. And then in quarter three, that strategic accommodation requirement uh, is then uh, presented to EXCO. And in quarter four, we want to ensure that uh, that strategic accommodation requirements is approved by the DG, including the strategic accommodation requirements a document that we need to submit to public works and infrastructure for them to conduct that feasibility uh, assessment for the user asset management plan. Then the last one focuses on the uh, DG's office in terms of the APP uh, targets. Uh, it's really the tabling of uh, the DHA bill in parliament for uh, processing. That's really the target uh, for 2022-23 and then the breakdown in terms of uh, that target quarter one will want to make sure that the bill is gazetted for public comments quarter two will want to submit that bill to the jcps and gcit cluster for approval and recommendation to parliament in quarter three the dha bill will then be submitted to cabinet for approval and we hope that by quarter four will then be able to table the bill in parliament for processing which means this is work that's coming to this uh, committee and then the next one is ready to look at the tabling of the national identification and registration bill in parliament for processing of the bill uh, that's the target uh, for this uh, financial year we'll want to make sure that the national identification and registration bill is submitted to cabinet for approval for public uh, consultation and then below, you then have the breakdown of how we will be able to achieve that. Quarter one, we'll want to ensure that the draft bill is submitted to EXCO for approval to recommend to minister in quarter two. Uh, similarly, we'll want to take that uh, um, report or bill submitted to a minister, including the CS report, which needs to be submitted to DPME for approval. And then in quarter three, we'll want to share uh, the bill with the various uh, clusters the GCIT or governance, and then economic uh, sectors and employment, including infrastructure, and then uh, the JCPS cluster for approval and recommendation to cabinet. And we hope that in quarter four, uh, that draft bill will then be submitted to cabinet for approval for public publication, for uh, public uh, consultation. And then the next one then speaks to the marriage uh, bill, uh, the tabling of the marriage bill in parliament for processing of uh, the bill in uh, the, the annual target is to make sure that the marriage bill is submitted to cabinet for approval for public consultation. And then what is it that will do per quarter? Uh, the draft bill will be submitted to EXCO for approval and quarter two, uh, we then need to submit it to minister, including the CS report. Quarter three is the consultations with the various uh, clusters, GCIT, ECIT, JCPS. And then we hope that in quarter four, we will be able to submit the bill to cabinet for approval for public uh, participation or consultation. That's on the uh, marriage bill. On the OSBP bill, we'll want to make sure that this year uh, that bill is submitted to cabinet for approval for public consultation. 
And then in quarter one, that bill will be submitted to EXCO for approval to uh, recommend to minister. And then in quarter two, that bill is then submitted to minister for approval, including the CS report. And similarly, as with the other bills, it needs to go to the various clusters. It will go to the GCIT, the economic cluster, JCPS for approval and recommendation. And we hope that by the end of uh, quarter four, uh, that uh, bill will have been submitted to cabinet for approval for public participation or consultation. Uh, the next one then deals with how we enhance our communication. Uh, the annual target is to ensure that uh, the home affairs uh, communication strategy and plan is implemented. We'll want to ensure that there's 20 media engagements, six outreach engagements and three campaigns. Uh, Pegota will want to undertake five media engagements, two outreach engagements, and one campaign. So that will be for quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, and uh, quarter four. And then the next slide then speaks to uh, HR, almost at uh, the end of the presentation. And HR, it's really the uh, DHA gender-based violence and femicide plan. And then uh, for all the quarters, we'll want to make sure that this important work uh, we then ensure there's an implementation uh, for impl uh, implemented per quarter. We can move to the next one. It's really the percentage of misconducted cases. I've spoken to this one. It's a new performance indicator. Uh, the annual target will want to make sure that we start at 60%, ramp up to 80 the following year, and 95%. So per quarter, we'll keep it at uh, 60%. And the next one speaks to counter corruption. I think I've spoken to some of the activities. I'll move with speed. Uh, the annual target for ensuring that uh, the number of DHA business processes are evaluated to identify possible vulnerabilities to fraud, corruption, and security breaches. We've said uh, the target is four. And then uh, the activities that will be done per quarter are listed below. The first one we've spoken about, late registration, second quarter ID application, third quarter passport application, and death registration. So that's what uh, counter corruption uh, will do. And then the next one speaks to reported cases. Uh, that target has also been ramped up as we deal with issues of fraud and corruption. Last year, we're sitting at 50%. Uh, this year, we're increasing that to 60%. And then the quarterly breakdown is then provided as well. And then the next one speaks to the number of threat and risk assessments. Uh, we've increased that as well from 40 to uh, 80 and then per quarter will want to do uh, 20 uh, of those uh, assessments. If we can move to uh, the next slide, uh, the number of vetting files, we've increased that from 300 to uh, 400, and then per quarter will want to ensure that at least 100 of those files are submitted to uh, SSA for evaluation. So the last slides then deal with the uh, budget in terms of the allocation letter that we've received from Treasury, the summary, uh, for the allocation for program one, administration, civic services, immigration, and institutional support and uh, transfers. So if you look at uh, slide number 64, broadly, it speaks to our allocation of 9.4 billion. Uh, that then goes down. Uh, thanks, uh, Mr. Matonzi. It goes down in this financial year. You'll need to look at uh, the uh, first uh, column. The allocation is a 9.4 billion, and then for the next financial year, it, it goes down to 9.3, and then it increases by 400 to 9.7 billion in the 2024-25 financial year. But the focus should be on the 2022-23 financial year, and then you can see the 
increases are mainly for the BMA. They get an increase of 25 million and the compensation of employees. And then the DHA capacitation, uh, the minister has spoken about that. That starts at 266 million, increases in the next financial year to 278 million, and then 24, 25 to 291 million. And then the others, it's mainly for uh, goods and services. And then, of course, uh, there's an increase in terms of uh, the uh, political parties fund uh, with 171 million and then 178, 186. And then the reductions, of course, will always be there. So if you look at what's crucial on this slide, it's really the 2022 MTF allocations, uh, the budget that I spoke about earlier on in terms of the estimate of national expenditure, 9.4 billion, that's the budget. And then uh, if you look at um, the other activities uh, below, at really uh, the allocations that have been effected. Uh, uh, Let's then move to the uh, next slide, then provides a summary uh, of uh, what is it that uh, we have been uh, allocated uh, per branch. Uh, that's the summary. Uh, administration, if you look at uh, 2022, uh, 23, um, the entire budget is upset. It's 9.4, administration 2.6, citizen affairs 2.5 billion, immigration affairs 1.4 billion, and then uh, the new program institutional support and transfers. This is mainly to transfer the funding that's allocated sits at 2.7 billion. And then there's the economic classification. You will note that uh, the compensation of employees still takes quite a large chunk of the budget, given the fact that uh, our work, it's mainly uh, driven by personnel, 3.8 billion, uh, that's split into salaries and uh, goods and services. If you move to the next slide, it then speaks to the allocation for program one. The allocation for program one will include uh, the sub-programs, ministry, management, support services, corporate services, uh -huh. and then, of course, uh, IT and uh, office accommodation, uh, which still takes about uh, 465 um, million. So there we go, administration, 2.6 uh, billion. I think I am ahead of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which slide are you in? I am on, uh, I was on, on the previous one. You are now on immigration. You're now ahead of me. If you can go back to civic services, the allocation, it's, uh, yes. No, no, not that one. Next one. Next one. Yeah, civic services. If you look at, no, no, Mr. Matonzi, go back. The allocation for civic services, uh, those are the sub-programs, uh, citizen affairs management. If you look at 2022-23, status services, identification services, and then the allocation for the provinces. So that sits at uh, 2.5 billion, and then the economic classification as to what the allocation is for. If we can move to the next uh, slide, uh, Mr. Matonzi, that looks at immigration services and the sub-programs are listed, Immigration Affairs Management, Admission Services, Immigration Services, Asylum Seekers, and that's the breakdown of the budget, 1.4 billion, and then there's the economic classification. What is it that they are allocated the funding for? And then institutional support and transfers, 
I think of uh, interesting to note on this slide, uh, if we can move to the next one, uh, Mr. Matonzi, it's the allocation, uh, a very substantial increase that is being made to the BMA, which really uh, gives us a sense of comfort. If you look at what the BMA was allocated in the 2018-19 financial year, they started on a very modest budget of 6 million, increasing or decreasing to four, then 2021-19, and then 2021, 22, 46, then there's a huge jump. If you look at 2022, 23, they're now sitting at 196, 717. Of course, it goes down uh, the next financial year and the other financial year. And for sure, Treasury will be uh, sympathetic to this area of work. And then the Electoral Commission, of course, that's the normal standard transfer of 2.2 billion. And then the political parties uh, fund 342 million and then they break down in terms of the uh, uh, various economic classifications. So that translates to 2.7 billion. So this last slide is really to uh, request the portfolio committee uh, to support the annual performance plan of the Department of Home Affairs for 2022-23 financial year. Thank you so much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, DTG. Sorry, DTG, uh, for a detailed uh, 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 presentation. We are going to uh, request members to comment or raise questions. Um, and I think uh, one of the areas which DG uh, perhaps may need to um, reflect more is the budget um, allocation of PMA. I see in the next financial year is going to uh, decline. Perhaps the metrics on uh, 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 how and why uh, that allocation uh, will it decline, uh, given that this is a new institution uh, and, uh, with the uh, responsibilities that have been outlined. If you can uh, perhaps uh, uh, all the commissioner uh, deal with that. I'm going to invite uh, Honorable Hwase, Honorable Ross, Honorable Tito, Honorable Kanyele, Honorable Panarmerve, Honorable Molekwa, Honorable Ramalobeng, and Honorable Pillay uh, to make uh, the comment. And then I will then invite the uh, uh, Director General in the responses. Uh, I know you have DTGs. Uh, if you need to uh, delegate, then we invite the DM and then uh, the Minister. Then we're able to close uh, on this item. In that order, Honorable Kwasi. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Let me thank Mr. Makode for the presentation and also follow cue from your opening, Chairperson, to say that we really wish well to Mr. McKay for the hard work and the dedication that he showed throughout his years in serving our communities with the Department of Home Affairs. And also say that we thank him very much for his cooperation with the, with, the, with the portfolio committee since we got into office in the sixth administration. And also thank Mr. Mashinini for his contribution with the work of IEC. Chairperson, let me first, first start with the DMA. One, I would like to request that we as the portfolio committee get a briefing on the progress that is made in the BMA. The briefing can take place either quarterly. We will agree whether we get briefings on the implementation of the BMA, whether quarterly or mid-yearly. 
And then my other request to the department would be that we are given a feedback or let me say progress that is made concerning or with the phase one implementation of the abyss. Because previously, Chair, we note that there was a problem with the then service provider and the department was to hire a new service provider in completing this phase of ABIS. The third issue that I would like to raise, Chair, I see there's an increment from 2021 financial year with a rollout of the biometric systems. One would want to know what informs the increment from 24 ports of entry to 34 ports of entry. My interest would be that the department shares the successes of the implementation, whether it's the ones that made them to increase the rollout to 34 ports of entries. If not the successes, what were the challenges that they came across in the implementation? One last issue, Chair, would be that uh, I have an interest in knowing whether there are businesses that are found guilty in employing the undocumented persons in their businesses and also the cooperation or the working together between the Department of Home Affairs and the Department of Labor in issues of employment of undocumented people. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much uh, for your contribution, Honorable Kwase. Honorable Ruas. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, so so from my side as well, um, wishing Mr. McKay um, all the very best um, in his golden years. And I hope that it wasn't his uh, spell as acting DG that uh, that finished him off. Um, but I'll never forget, you know, in the darkest days of lockdown, um, being able to phone Mr. McKay on a Sunday morning when there was an emergency at some port. And it was almost never that I didn't find that he answered his phone or that he didn't phone back almost immediately. Um, and really, thank you very much, Mr. McKay, for, for the support in that, in that time. Um, and I really wish you all the very best uh, in your retirement uh, years. Chairperson, um, first of all, the uh, minister was speaking about staff, and I've raised this before, but I'm, I'm just struggling to understand this, this aspect of so-called shortage of staff. Um, and, and Chairperson, if you go to the annual report, and we, let's look before COVID, um, 2018, 2019, there were 9,025 staff. So 10 years before, there were 7,440. So in that 10-year time period, the department had, had increased their staff complement with 1,500 people. And these were all in level six to eight. But in the same time period, Chairperson, the, the number of IDs, passports, and birth registrations actually went down. So you had 20% more staff at a level that would be serving at an office, but the output of the staff was less. And so I'm just trying to understand, and, and perhaps I don't know if the DG can, can, can give me this answer, but if, if we, in that 10-year time period before COVID, if you added 20% more staff um, how can it be that they are, they are producing less before COVID? And, and what is being done to increase that productivity? Is it a concern for the DG? Is it something that the department is looking at? Because we can say we need more staff until we blew in the face. But if we are adding more staff and the productivity stays the same, 
then there is a problem that you need to address. And so I'd like to answer on that, Chairperson, please, just to understand that, that productivity question mark that is going on there. Then, Chairperson, the report talks about um, Home Affairs' contribution to the apex priorities of government. And, you know, we, we have a very special day tomorrow. And really, if you look at Home Affairs, one of their key contributions is the inclusion of all citizens in democracy and development by providing them with a status and an identity that gives them access to rights and services. And it says that this must be done in an efficient, effective, professional, and secure manner. But Chairperson, we, we, we look at a situation where you look at a budget and it tells you where the priorities are. And it says that we prioritize the um, compensation of earnings. So all these salaries that are paid to the staff, whether there's too many or, or too, too few. The concern that I have, Chairperson, is that we talk about now, you know, we're going to hire 10,000 young people and they're going to scan three, 30 million documents over three years. If you work that out, Chairperson, it's, it works out to three documents per day. So all of these young people are going to come in and, and scan three documents a day. And that is going to be the solution. Um, but Chairperson, we have, we have just under half a million South African learners in schools who are undocumented. These are people on the Luritus system who are recognized as South African children who are undocumented. So this means that they've missed the birth registration of places of birth. And I can tell you, Chairperson, I, I went to, a few weeks ago to register the birth of my daughter at the health facility. And when I registered my son, I got a printout there and then. When I registered my daughter, I had to come back two weeks later. And when I came back to fetch that document, um, I commented on that. And they pointed around the corner of the door, and there was the computer and the printer sitting there. So somehow this is going backwards, Chairperson. And my concern here is we, we, we haven't heard anything here about the offices opening on Saturdays. And I know that the minister has said that there is a dispute with the unions, et cetera. But Chairperson, this has been two years now. This has been more than two years that we've raised this issue of Home Affairs offices not opening on Saturdays. And so I get constant phone calls of learners who, who, who cannot now go and get their documentation. I have to tell them, go in your school uniform to a Home Affairs office and you will hopefully be put to the front of the queue. And so I think the question here, Chairperson, is, is what is going to be done about the, the half a million? I understand there's 10,000 youth. Those half a million that are coming, that are in the school system at any one time, that are undocumented, they are not going to be able to apply for those jobs. And, and what is the plan of the minister to deal with that? Because we are not seeing more mobile units. So we are seeing some mobile units. We are seeing the birth registration of places of birth. It's not going forward. There's still a connectivity problem. And the offices are not opening on Saturdays. So what is the plan to address this youth crisis that we have, where these young people are, are completely locked out of opportunities? And then my final point, Chairperson, is on this, uh, the immigration issue. And Chairperson, you know, I, we, we had an oversight about two weeks ago in Johannesburg, and I was being told by the, the head of immigration about how they have weekly operations, et cetera, et cetera, all over the place. And I, and I said, you know, how can it be that if you were having these operations, um, why would you have um, civil society organizations that, that saw a gap and decided to have those operations? I mean, it just doesn't add up to me, Chairperson, because, you know, you look at uh, the beginning of this report, 
and we, it talks about continuing with the implementation of a risk-based approach to immigration. But I'd like more of an explanation of what is this risk-based approach? Because if we look at slide 25, and you look at all the different provinces, all of them have 33 operations, except for Gauteng, which has 36. So, so surely that doesn't make sense. Say, person, if you're saying that Gauteng should have 36 operations and other provinces have 33, they have the same number, then I, I don't see where this risk-based approach is going from. I mean, you don't hear about um, massive xenophobic outbreaks in the Northern Cape, for example. So I'd really like to understand, Chippers, how can this risk be the same? And how do you work out now going to these different places? I understand the, the issue of uh, truck drivers and the tensions that are, that are going on there. But Chairperson, it's been almost two years now where we had uh, Cogta, we had the minister, we had um, uh, mayors of metropolitan municipalities. And it seems like we are still um, not getting this picture that the main risks of xenophobia and xenophobic attacks are going on in our metropolitan municipalities. And so I'd like an explanation of what is this risk-based approach? Because we don't see it in that slide 25. We just see it's a general thing. So if we're being told that the same number of immigration officials are in each province and they do the same number of immigration activities, then something is clearly wrong there, Chairperson. Okay. Final question, Chair, is um, I don't understand how we go from 220. So again, even if we look back a few years, it was about 240. You were about 60 per quarter of these immigration um, uh, inspections. How is it that we are now able to more than double that all of a sudden. What's changed? Did we get double the staff? Why, why were we not doing 540 before? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Ross, uh, for your contributions uh, and comments. Honorable Tito. Thanks, Chairperson, and I greet everyone who is present today. Uh, Chair, I just want to make a comment on what the men, what, 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 what uh, uh, Mr. Motswaledi said. Uh, uh, earlier on about the staff. I welcome the, 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 the presentation that he made that we must have more staff because of, uh, I went for, 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 for an oversight in, in, in Mpumalanga, in Sikunda and Betal chair. It was a mess there. It, long queues were, 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 were all over. And then when I asked the, 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 the staff there, they were complaining about that uh, they, they are not enough. One staff member, one official is doing a job of three people. So I think that uh, also the, 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 the officials of UMAFES, they must also go to the ground and see what is happening. And maybe they are not channeling the, 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 the staff to the right officers. Like Honorable Ross was saying that we have staff, but now the work is not being done. Let us check and go to the ground on what is really happening and also on the issues of hospital. Right now, Evanda Hospital in Sikunda and also in Betal, they don't have uh, home affairs officers who are, who are issuing uh, 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 birth certificates. And also that one is also a bad luck because of now most of the mothers, when they went out of the hospitals, they don't have birth certificates for the kids and then they are going to wait at home. You know us, especially in our African uh, 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 cultures, we are just, 
we are just going to go home and wait maybe for more than six months and in a year and then we want to go to home affairs offices and register the, the our, our 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 kids for a certificate and it's going to be a problem because of now most of them they must go for interviews and then it's it, it's a lot so let us also go and channel and see what is happening on the ground and especially on the hospitals and most of the staff members they are complaining that they are not enough one person is doing a job of three people capturing also checking and everything so please let us also go to the ground and not only see that sit there on the top and then see that no things are functioning but things are not functioning on the ground thank you chair thank you honorable tito for your contributions um honorable Kanyele. Thank you, Chairperson, and greetings to everyone that is present in this meeting. Chairperson, I also would like to express my appreciation of the work that has been done by Mr. Jackson McKay. Uh, we have had uh, a lot of, of successes. We have had uh, a lot of cases where that were resolved speedily that one would have expected. I just want to highlight one incident, I'm not sure if Mr. McKay still remember during the, the COVID outbreak. I think we're still on a, on a hard lockdown. There was a case of an eight-month-old child that was born in Zimbabwe, and she was supposed to come this side for a heart operation. I spoke with Mr. McKay together with Mr. Matthews. Um, apparently, they wanted to make arrangements for the flight to be able to land this side. They worked, we, we all worked actually throughout the night because I received a call around 10 um, in the, at night. And the following day, it's around 7 um, in the morning, the child was, was in the hospital already. Mr. McKay, we truly appreciate all the contributions we have had and we're wishing you everything of the best. Coming to the presentation, Chairperson, we, we welcome the presentation. However, I just have a, a few, a few, oh God. I have, I have a few questions. I want to draw your attention to slide. I think it's slide number nine, number six there. It says uh, the Department of Home Affairs is cognizant of the increasing demands and expectations of the public to deliver quality services on a regular basis, especially after the lifting of the national state of disaster on the 5th of April, 2022. The Department of Home Affairs will continue in its endeavors to find durable solutions for long-lasting systemic, systemic challenges, such as um, system downtime. If my memory serves me very well, I think last year, around June and July, the Department of Home Affairs appeared before this uh, 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 portfolio committee and told us that they're going to upgrade their system. What I would like to know is the progress that has, has been done in terms of upgrading the, the systems in the Department of uh, Honorable Kanyele, you are, we are losing you on the points you are raising. Because we have agile screens and of, of downtime that is affecting accessing the service in very Chairperson? Yeah, we're losing you. We lost you on some of the issues we're raising. I don't think they've captured them. Oh, I'm uh, so sorry. For, I'm so sorry for that. But yeah, now you're audible. Just if you can just uh, recap so that they, they capture your notes. 
Okay, I said I was reading on slide nine, number six, where the department, um, they are talking about the issues of system downtime. My question is that last year, I think between uh, June or July, if my memory serves me well, we had a presentation by the Department of Home Affairs where they indicated that they are going to upgrade their system. What I'd like to know is that how far have they gone with that exercise and if it's yielding any positive results? Because uh, there's an oversight that I have conducted in Nigel Springs and Harrison Street offices. Though in those branches, most of the issues that are being like, highlighted is the issue of the broadband that is always offline. And if we all remember, I think about two weeks ago, it was on a Friday, there was a day where um, the system was, was down like nationally. So home affairs was not able to work. And these things, what, what, what they normally do, they put the, the, the workers' life at risk as well because members of the community, they do not understand that the staff in that office does not have anything to do with the system downtime. They end up attacking them. And some of the officials, they've advised that they've told us that they have been assisted by the member of SAPS on a number of times. So what I would like to know is that what is the status of the systems upgrade from the day of the presentation that was done in June or July last year up to date? The second question that I am having is, is uh, with regard to the gender-based violence and femicide awareness. I think the department has indicated that they have had about 13 awareness sessions conducted. What I'd like to know is uh, that do they conduct these awareness sessions with the members of the public or these are the same sessions that are conducted internally within the department? The next question that I have, um, it is uh, in connection with what the minister said during his opening. He's mentioned something about tip-offs and he's also mentioned something about Operation um, Ugai Mulao which I believe that uh, it is a step in the right direction because recently there is an uh, individual that was arrested for running an unofficial office of home affairs in his Hillbrow flat. What I'd like to know is whether the department has done any investigations to ascertain if this individual does not have other branches in each and every province because if we can all remember all the services that this man was providing are the services that I needed nationally. Another question that I am having is, is with regard to, I'm just taking my chances with this one. It is with regard to the, the home affairs building where the DG, the DTGs normally sit. When we conducted, when we went for an oversight, Chairperson, I think you will remember in 2019, Immediately after the elections, we were told that these offices, they were going to be moved, but I'm not sure to which location, because when we were there, we could not ignore the noise of the taxes, because that building is next to a taxi rank. And the same thing happens over and over and over again. If there is a presentation that is made by the DG or one of the DDGs, you just cannot ignore the noise by the taxes there at the, at, at the back. But I'm not sure if this is the question that the, 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 the department is going to answer today or they're going to come back and give us another detailed presentation because we have also been getting concerns about the number of home affairs offices whose, um, which building have dilapidated and others are leaking now that we had this rain. So I'm really not sure. I think the department is going to guide us on this one. My last qu my question, Chairperson, it is with regards to the opening of offices over the weekends. 
When I conducted an oversight, I think in Nigel or Springs, I was advised that during the school holidays, the staff was working up to six o'clock. So basically they were working overtime, but I'm not sure if they were being paid for that overtime or they were being compensated for the hours that they have worked. What I'd like to know is that can't they use this, the same system to be able to open on Saturdays to accommodate the people that are not able to access the offices during the week, like their scholars or people that are working that are not able to get some time off. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Kanyele, for your contributions. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And may I also just um, firstly greet the Minister, the Deputy Minister, our DG, um, <clears throat> and then also just add my voice to our colleagues to wish the, <clears throat> to wish the Honourable McKay well in his retirement and to thank him for his service. Um, I would like to concur, Chairperson, with the comments that was made by the Honourable Lechoase in terms of uh, the need for us as a committee to get uh, a regular briefing or a quarterly briefing on the progress and budget of the BMA. Um, I've been covered on the question with regards to the GBV programs from Honorable Kanyile because I was also interested to know whether these are public outreach programs or for the staff. I assume it's for the staff, but if we can get more information there. Then on the issues of the uh, war on queues and the embarrassing long, uh, well, the system downtime, and of course the issue of queues, the minister did touch on that um, in his introduction. But I wanted to maybe just ask with regards to our targets for 2022 and 2023, what are the planned targets in terms of the rollout of services to banks? If the DG can just give me an indication. On the issue of corruption, I think it's good to know, as the minister said, that the anti-corruption unit will be beefed up. Um, and I also look forward to getting a presentation in that regard. But I want to focus, and it has been touched on by our other colleagues, but I, I really want to focus on the issue of the immigration crisis in our country. And the minister rightly said that the issue has dominated the media space. Um, I think there's wide consensus amongst South Africans now that we do face an, an immigration crisis. But the question then becomes, how are we going to fix it? And I'm not talking here about the BMA or the rollout of the BMA. The reality is that currently tensions are rising in communities, and rightly so, because they have been saying for many, many years that the Department of Home Affairs are failing to implement its own immigration laws. So I want to thank the minister and the DG for being on the ground. I have seen them uh, visiting uh, Bait Bridge, and the minister is being lauded by South Africans for, for doing work in this regard. But my question becomes, surely, and I've said, I've raised this on, on numerous occasions, but the solution to fixing our immigration crisis cannot be the 220 operations alone, or even now the, 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 the aim to, to go to 540 operations, it must be welcomed. But I think we need to first ascertain what the 220 operations resulted in. In other words, if we say we've conducted 220 operations, how many illegal migrants were identified and apprehended? How many were deported during the last financial year? And how much did we spend on deportations? And Honorable Lechwasi did mention it, but in, with regards to the operations that are being conducted in conjunction with other departments, for example, how many businesses were identified that were employing undocumented and or illegal migrants? And what did that result in? In other words, how many of these businesses were fined? Um, because I think 
you know, it's counterproductive to say now we're moving from 220 operations to 540 if we're not sure that these current operations are yielding the results that we are requiring to fix our broken immigration system. Because, for example, um, you know, if you, if you look at the current issues around Operation Dudula, the issues in Deep Sluit, the issues of the syndicates that are being identified, it, it looks like we are losing the war against illegal migration. So I want to also know, in terms of the syndicate that has now been identified, that we're reproducing the passports and the IDs, um, we, we've got the task team that reviewed all visas um, that was established last year by the minister, and we are expecting a report back on that. But now, if there's a situation where mass amounts of passports were being reproduced by syndicates, and we don't even know if this is the only syndicate, will the department consider launching a review of all passports? Because quite clearly, we now sit with a situation where people are in possession of documents that they are utilizing, um, and, and, and they are fake. So I wanted to know um, what the minister's view is on that. And then if you look at the budget, there will be a slight decrease in terms of um, our spend on immigration affairs. And I'm, I'm also thinking, what happens if we do, if we do say, for example, um, these 540 operations result in us identifying maybe 100,000 illegal migrants? What... What, what happens next? Because the department doesn't have the money for deportations. So in other words, I, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the holistic plan in the absence of a fully functioning BMA to deal with the current crisis that is the immigration crisis in South Africa? In other words, it can't just be the 540 inspections. Do we have, um, for example, I did an oversight recently where I encountered two immigration officials in Gauteng outside of a home affairs office they told me that if they do not, if they come to work or do not come to work, it's neither here nor there because they do not have a manager. They, they make up their own program. In other words, nobody tells them what to do. Um, they report to one another when they want to take leave. Um, and basically, they do not have that. They only two officials that do not have the support that they need. So even if they do identify people, for example, printing residency permits or um, engaging in illegal activities, they do not have the support and um, to actually do the job that is required of them. So all is not well in terms of the, the immigration uh, affairs. And I, I just think that, you know, as much as we laud you for wanting to increase your operations to 540, we need to start thinking out of the box in terms of a holistic plan to deal with our immigration crisis and easing tensions in our community. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable uh... Uh, for your contributions. Honorable Molekwa. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Let me start by appreciating the presentation as pre presented by the department and acknowledge the progress in most of the programs that are being performed well. And where the department did not perform well as a result of COVID-19, we hope that there is a plan in place to fast track those programs. Chairperson, I think most of the issues are covered by members, especially important issues that have been raised by uh, honorable members that spoke before me. But Chairperson, I just want to propose to the department that in their future plan, the moratelia should be considered for home affairs offices 
as we speak currently, they are relying on mobile units, or they have to travel to Chamber. And those who live in the northern part of Moratile, they will travel to Wombat and also Brett. So it's very difficult for the old age people to travel uh, such long distances. So I want to propose that uh, in the future plan department should consider uh, the office in that uh, municipality. But otherwise, Chairperson, I would therefore wish to note and welcome the report as been presented. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable McQueen. Honorable Ramolo Ben. Honorable Pile. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, let me just say that we must also applaud um, uh, improvements and progress. And I think it's, um, it's important to give credit uh, where it's due. But also, we must be able to, to look at shortcomings and how we can be able to better improve our systems, particularly because we are providing a service uh, to citizens. Chair, uh, I just want to say that for me, I'm a bit concerned that we are not able to draw a comparison um, in terms of the annual reports. Um, if you look at the 2020-2021 financial year, we're only going to receive, um, sorry, the 2021-2022 financial year, we're only going to receive that report in September 2022. That would have already been midterm in this financial year. Um, and in terms of... Um, you know, budget cycle and planning, it's important for, for us to be able to review at least in the first quarter so that you, you budget accordingly for the next year and look at how we improve. And the comparison we're drawing here is from 2019, 2020, and then you go back as far as 2015, 2016. Um, and I think it makes it difficult to be able to, to see the improvements. We all know that in the last, well, two years, there was challenges around uh, COVID. But I think it's important for us to be able to start picking up the pieces and, and working strongly uh, towards improving it. I would have uh, hoped to have seen um, the booking system uh, in terms of um, a rollout. I know we've piloted and we, we're going to be receiving uh, you know, a report and update. But I think that, uh, and, and I'm saying this because I know I've heard success stories of how the booking system is working so well. Um, and I would have thought that perhaps we would have seen a rollout plan in, in this financial year, um, because that's really going to assist us. Secondly, modernization of offices. I can't stress how important it is for us to be able to improve and to, I think, you know, we deserve to, to have all our citizens across the length and breadth of this country service the same. So there shouldn't be some areas with modern offices and others that are not. Um, the third one is on mobile trucks, uh, as we've seen how it's been a assisting and benefiting our, our, our communities. Um, and the last one is just on the social cohesion, just to be able to understand what are the specifics um, and if you unpack what it is that we're doing around social cohesion. Otherwise, I'm comfortable with that, Chair. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, members, for and thanks, uh, Honorable Pillay, for your contributions and comments and questions uh, uh, to the uh, raised uh, to the presentations. I'm going to request that we um, request the DG uh, to respond. You will then 
delegate to the DDGs, I know. Uh, but because of time, we need to uh, make sure that uh, we don't take long in the responses, uh, in particular uh, the DDGs. Then we'll invite the DM uh, to respond and make comment. And we'll invite the uh, minister to make comment. In the DG's responses, uh, you'll also invite the commissioner uh, of the BMA to make comment and response. Then we'll work uh, towards closing on the item and get into the briefing on the flat. Uh, uh, and then we're able to close the meeting and allow members to go to the uh, to the house. Um, the item, uh, and then I'll invite the DG. No, thank you so much, uh, Chairperson, and thank you to the honourable uh, members for the the, the questions. Uh, let me get straight uh, into it. Uh, the Commissioner for the BMA will then respond to issues that uh, have been raised around the funding uh, for the uh, BMA. But just uh, for the committee to note that uh, you'll recall that we've been allocated 120 million uh, for the BMA, which we then subsequently uh, wrote to Treasury to ask for reprioritization of that funding so that we then start with the capacitation, which we have started with the um, adverts for the uh, border guards. So that's uh, part of the process in terms of the, 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 the budget. Obviously, Treasury will want to monitor how we're spending the, that allocation that's been granted uh, before further funds are probably allocated. But BMA Commissioner um, will speak to that. Honorable uh, Lokwase, definitely, I think uh, we uh, through uh, the uh, minister, we should be able to brief the uh, committee. Uh, I think the minister will make the determination whether it's quarterly or media, but we wouldn't want a situation where there's a lot of activities happening and the committee is left behind. I, I can briefly indicate that uh, in the shortest space of time, we have heard about two IMCs comprising of ministers that are responsible or in one way or the other um, are linked to uh, the PMA. Uh, those meetings have been happening. Previously, those meetings have not happened. Similarly, with the DGs uh, that are responsible in terms of the co technical uh, committees. So those IMCs uh, have really given us impetus in terms of uh, the work of the PMA which we can uh, brief the, the committee. On the BMCS, I think you'll recall, Honorable Lokwase, when we were here last year, we had indicated uh, when we provided the annual report that due to disruptions in the global supply and chain processes, we were not able to secure certain equipment uh, to enable us to finalize the uh, BMCS. We have now received that, which is why we now have a rollout uh, for that equipment to all those uh, areas. And then in terms of joint operations with the labor, I think uh, th that's work that uh, it's ongoing. Uh, you'll also recall that uh, Minister Mutsualedi, together with Minister Ngesi, are also uh, joint chairs of uh, the IMC that's uh, looking at uh, immigration matters. For sure, the minister can elaborate. Honorable Ruos, in terms of uh, your, your numbers that you have uh, given us with regards to uh, our capacitation, I think your numbers do not take into consideration the following. One, the natural attrition process, where people retire, where people die, or where people leave for any other activities. If you recall, if you have gone through the annual report, the annual report would have shown you that in 2018, 477 people left the department for various reasons. 
2019, 204 people left the department for various reasons. 2021, about 168. And just this financial year, civics alone lost 181. And I'm giving you figures just for civics. So that will probably, if you use basic arithmetic, that will take you to 1,030. And if we were to look at immigration, we'll probably come to the same numbers. So the numbers are not static. And, and people move for one way or the other. And therefore, this capacitation was therefore necessitated and informed by data uh, in our position to look at how do we then capacitate the department. This committee, I think Honorable Ross uh, yourself, you requested us to come to this committee and present the capacitation or the business plan, the business case that we've made to Treasury. Uh, we're still waiting for an invite from the committee so that we'll be able to share with you uh, what we have lost, uh, what we have gained, and how we are moving forward. With regards to uh, undocumented uh, learners, I think we'll really appreciate if we can get uh, a list of uh, those learners that you are referring to. We do have a very active program led by the Deputy Minister uh, that uh, goes to schools to um, ensure that uh, learners are, uh, are able to apply for uh, identity uh, documents. And then uh, on, on the issue of uh, working on uh, Saturdays, uh, you, you will recall that uh, we also have a program uh, that's linked to the school calendar where we operate on extended hours. So we've just concluded, and Honorable uh, Kanyile, you just confirmed in your input, we just concluded that exercise two weeks ago where we open our offices um, up to 1,900 hours. And we are... Con we are, we are of course, uh, considerate of the fact that while those discussions with labor are ongoing, we should not stop. So we have been active, we have been doing that, and the school visitation program uh, is on. I think on the mobiles in response to your question, including the question that's uh, being asked by Honorable Pile, uh, the minister directed last year that uh, we procure 10 of those mobiles. Those mobiles have been bought, have been branded, and are currently going through an installation phase with regards to the necessary equipment and this financial year in particular we will add an additional uh, 15 with regards to to to, to that and then uh, maybe as a parting shot ttg uh, mckay uh, you'll respond to the issues around a risk-based uh, approach with regards to how we managing immigration but just to 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 to, to indicate as well uh, honorable funder uh, mierve uh, that, that you know the the issue around immigration that there's a global immigration crisis not only in south africa if you were to go to poland today the polish people are fighting the germans that are going through to their country if you go to the uk similarly and we're not saying we we need to well, shun whatever that's happening there but we we learn from how others are managing some of those issues with a view to finding solutions that are based in terms of our own uh, continent and the and, and the region and then maybe just briefly on the questions raised by uh, honorable uh, tito i, I think uh, the the we, we do visit offices uh, time and again just last week uh, i was in uh, white river i visited uh, two offices uh, um DTG Sikama went to to the other so we always split we always um, um, on the ground visiting so we are familiar with uh, the capacity of each and every office uh, in the country. Uh, so so that, that's what we are familiar with. And I think, uh, again, your questions is related to the capacitation that I've spoken to. 
I think Honorable uh, Kanyele, I think I've spoken to the issues around how we try and mitigate the demand for services by ensuring that uh, it's linked not only to some of the uh, school calendars. Uh, how we've upgraded the systems, we've started that work, uh, working, of course, with the private sector, including uh, the activities that we're doing around upgrading the network, uh, the purchase of the switches, the routers, that's work that we're doing with the uh, CETA, uh, including the, the issues that you've raised with regards to us being offline. I suppose uh, on the uh, broadband, um, um, uh, the offline activities that you've referred to, you'll recall that uh, specifically on that Friday, the whole country was experiencing uh, load shedding and certain of our generators could not kick in. Uh, but also some of the sites uh, that uh, provide services uh, to us through CETA uh, were down, which led to uh, a huge uh, network uh, that, that experienced uh, challenges. I think I suppose um, uh, on the issues of the building, uh, we are in the process. Uh, we have registered uh, um, the new building um, through a triple P with the National Treasury. The identified site is in Salvo Cop. Uh, that's where the new head office, and there's a process that Mr. Nasana will speak to in terms of uh, that. And then uh, maybe just uh, the, 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 the last one, um, I think uh, Minister will speak to issues around the ministerial uh, committee. Uh, I think if we do get uh, some of the details around uh, uh, areas that you have referred to, Honorable Fander Mirve, uh, with regards to immigration, for sure it's a matter we can attend to. But we are capacitating immigration, as the minister has said. We are capacitating uh, civics. Uh, if you look at some of the data that we have, over a period of time, those areas uh, were not fully uh, capacitated. We have actually advertised, including uh, for office managers, uh, where you have been, uh, there was no office manager. We have actually advertised uh, uh, for those uh, positions and we are in the process of filling uh, those vacancies and we hope that will then assist us to deal with the issues such as the war on queues uh, including honorable pile uh, the appointment system ttg mavuso can uh, add to 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 that uh, we piloted at 24 offices and we have been receiving quite uh, good feedback uh, in terms of uh, how we need to roll it out to the other areas so honorable chair maybe uh, let's start by allowing uh, uh, Commissioner uh, Masiapato to respond to BMA uh, issues, and then uh, uh, DDG uh, Sigama, DDG Mavuso, DDG Mackay uh, can then uh, respond to some of those issues. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, in that order, Commissioner Masiapato. No, thanks, uh, um, DG, and thanks, Honorable uh, Chair and the committee members. DM. Um, maybe just on the basis of time, uh, Honorable Chair and committee members, I wouldn't necessarily go into trying to update yourself in terms of where we are today uh, in our journey towards um, operationalizing BMA. Suffice to say, as uh, suggested by Honorable Lohwase, as well as uh, affirmed by uh, Honorable Father Merve, that we be able to come uh, exclusively to uh, deal with those issues um, in a quarterly basis or so, we shall definitely be coming through to talk in details in terms of where we are as far as that is concerned. But for now, I just want to respond only to the question raised by the chair around the budgetary issues. You will note, uh, Honorable Chair, as you have seen on slide number 69, where it shows that in the current financial year, 
we are sitting at around 196 million or so. As the DG had indicated, there has been that move uh, by National Treasury in giving us the 120 million so that we can be able to do over and above the integration process, but do the capacitation on the sideline. And that is the work that we are currently doing within the context of um, the appointment of the border guards. As I speak now, just next door to my office, the colleagues are actually busy with the interview process uh, of the senior as well as the chief border guards. But why then does it look like in the next financial year the amount is going down? So that is just on the basis of uh, what is on but what it means is, uh, honorable members, one, you will remember that as we do this work, we are supposed to be doing the uh, integration of the five areas of work uh, within the uh, port of entry in particular. So in doing that work, you will remember we have to do the following activities. Number one, we have to get the functions transferred. We have to then get the people transferred. We then have to get the budget uh, in, linked to those people transferred. And that will talk to the salaries as well as the operational budget. And thirdly, we have to then get their tools of trade also transferred into BMA. So the key aspect here is around the budget issues. So what Treasury had said to us is, as you have seen in terms of what slide number 31 indicates, in quarter two, we are indicating that the BMA budget structure will be submitted in National Treasury. What that means is, Honorable Chair, and the committee members is. We need to be able to, to, uh, to go to National Treasury and say, we were able to get this number of people from agriculture, this number of people from immigration, this number of people from health, this number of people from police, and this number of people from the environment. And also, we are also in terms of the DPWI, the transfer of assets. Then we need to get all of that money, and we use the word reinventing of the budget. All of that money that will be linked to those across the department, including the money that has been used by GPWI as we speak in taking care of the infrastructure, particularly in servicing the REMCO projects in the ports of entry as it were. So all of that money will have to then be put into one peer pot. Once we have done that, then we need to go to National Treasury and say, this is what we have in terms of uh, all of the integration exercises. And it is on that basis that National Treasury will be able to then make a determination based on our actual requirements over and above the integration that we need to be able to go forward in as far as the issues are concerned. So that is why the figure is not there yet. It is going to be there in the medium term by the policy statement. Let me then stop there, Honorable Chair and the committee members. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner, for your responses. Tidijima uh, Sigama. Thanks very much, Honorable Chair and uh, Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Deputy Minister and Honourable Members. I'll be responding to two questions that were raised. Uh, the first one was raised by Honourable Kanyila in terms of the weekend uh, overtime, whether it was paid or not. Yes, we have uh, we've been paying our staff overtime. And you'll recall, Honourable, that uh, during the peak period, we normally identify our peaks and troughs. And where we've got peaks, then that's where we make sure that we then have additional capacity and we extend our personal hours so that we service those people who are in dire need. Yes, but once the capacity is up to speed, then we should be able to operate, uh, I think, at a constant motion so that at the end of the day, everybody who visits our offices uh, during official hours are assisted at that point. Then the next question, Chairperson, was around the issue around the rollout banks. 
as you are aware, I think that question was uh, raised by Honorable um, Fender Merve. Uh, as you are aware, we currently we've got about 28 banks that are fully operational, they are connected. And indeed, as uh, DG alluded to the point uh, before, we are really working closely with uh, our service providers to make sure that we enter into a triple P agreement, wherein with as soon as the agreement is approved, then we'll make sure that we ramp up or we roll out to additional uh, 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 banks so that we then also refer our uh, our clients to some of the banks. So we also have volunteers that are also assisting in both the banks as well as uh, uh, offices over the weekend. And our volunteers are, are predominantly the youth uh, people who are also operating for free, uh, wherein they then organize themselves, they then indicate uh, which offices will be opening over the weekend, and then we support them with all the equipments and resources. And at the end of the day, then they work closely with office managers to open offices and then uh, work closely with our councillors and other and other people who reside in those areas so that they can be assisted with home affairs services. So those are the questions that are more relevant to civics and I would like to stop there. Thanks very much, Chair. Thank you, Titichi Sikama. Titichi Mavusa? No, thanks, Chairperson and Honorable Members. Just to answer on one matter relating to the booking system, uh, indeed, Honorable Pile, we piloted the booking system in 24 offices. We are running a hybrid model where we have booked clients and those that who walks in. So where we are now is that uh, the civic services through Mr. Scammer, they've given us 43 offices to work with. These are the large offices which got a number of um, a huge number of clients. So out of those, we've identified those that will convert to 100% booking for the two products only. Obviously, the rest of other products will still be working. But I think the experience that clients have given us is, was quite impressive. So there are three offices we're working with. It's going to be the Centurion office, uh, the Weinberg office in Cape Town, and the uh, office um, during the month of May. So we have a communications plan. The team actually we met with this morning at 8. So that plan, obviously, will be communicating with clients to ramp up the awareness so that come the 1st of June, those three offices will then convert to 100%. When it comes to issues of collections, we have removed it out of the system. We're only looking at the applications because we want also to increase the slots uh, per hour because currently there were fewer. So also we want to deal with the issues of no shows. But I think the progress and the experience that clients have actually used the system was quite a good uh, feedback that we have received. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh... DTG Mavusto, um, acting CFO, Ngasan, Mr. Ngasan. Uh, thank you very much, um, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable uh, Committee Members, Minister, Deputy Minister. Um, I'll just take the one question, uh, Honorable Chair, regarding the office uh, where we are currently at, uh, which is called Hallmark. So what has happened, actually, the department uh, committee members operates um, uh, in three buildings around Pretoria. So we've got a, a building in, uh, in Hatfield where the minister, the deputy minister sits, as well as the BMA, uh, which is called FSI. And then we've got the, the office called PVR, where uh, DDG Sigama and his team sits. And then we've got the office, I think the one that uh, uh, the committee members visited, uh, Hallmark, where uh, the DG and other DDG sits. So we've, we've put through, through a feasibility plan uh, to, to, to consolidate these offices into one office, and um, we, 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 we have then 
also applied uh, to the Department of, of, of Public Works uh, for the allocation of land uh, to, to build our own uh, head office, uh, home affairs head office. And the land has been allocated at the government precinct in, in Salvacop, just uh, opposite uh, uh, um, uh, uh prison. That's where the, 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 the office is, is going to be built and other government offices are also being built there. In addition to that, because this, uh, uh, this is being done through a private, uh, a public-private partnership, we've then applied, submitted the feasibility study uh, to the National Treasury uh, for their approval, uh, and that approval was then received uh, on the 31st of March uh, uh, 2022. So last month, we got that approval from Treasury to then proceed to the next stage uh, of, of, of the project. And the next stage, which we're, we're going to be busy with, in the current financial year will be the procurement now of the third parties that are going to construct uh, that, 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 that office um, office block. And um, and um, we envisage that the appointment should be done by the 31st of March uh, 2023. And then with uh, on the 1st of April uh, 2023, then the construction will commence and which will take uh, roughly between 24, uh, 24, between 24 months and, 30, and 36 months. Uh, and uh, and so uh, the, 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 that's the response to, to that question. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That going TTG, okay. Good good morning, uh, Chairperson. Uh, good morning uh, to the Minister, Deputy Minister, DG. Honorable members, uh, firstly, I would like just like to thank uh, the chairperson and the honorable members for the well wishes that you have um, uh, that you have given me this morning. I, I really do appreciate it, and I also want to thank you for all the support and advice that you have given uh, the department and uh, during my tenure here, and in particular the immigration services. And I believe that with the implementation of, of, of your recommendations with regard to immigration services, that uh, it would be, we would be able to, to, to have a more functional immigration services in the, in the very near, near future. Uh, thank you very much for that, uh, members. Uh, Chairperson, I'm just going to deal with the issue raised by Honorable Ruiz with regard to the um, uh, risk, what we mean by risk-based uh, immigration uh, or managing uh, immigration based on risk. Of, of, um, before the implementation of the risk-based approach to managing migration, uh, Honorable Chairperson, the immigration value chain was fragmented and it was largely driven by regulatory compliance as opposed to a, 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 a more proactive management of based of risks uh, based on intelligence. So what we would do is we would, uh, if there's any application or someone comes to a port of entry, we would merely look if he has a passport, if the passport is valid, uh, stem the passport and let the person proceed into the country. Or if the person applies for a, a visa, um, uh, simply look if he, has all the relevant documents without doing due diligence on that application and allowing people into the country. 
Now, to, to the, this then accounts for a, for a large number of uh, overstayers in our country who simply ignore our immigration laws. And it was also, and it is also a reason why uh, international criminals, for instance, uh, prefer uh, South Africa as a, as a destination. And um, uh, this becomes then a leverage point uh, to conduct uh, uh, illicit trade linked to people smuggling as well as, 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 as people trafficking. Now, when we talk about a, a, an, 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 a risk-based approach to managing migration, we are talking about an integration of competencies across uh, immigration and other stakeholder departments. And this, of course, has the, the benefit of extending the reach of the uh, immigration value chain and, uh, and enhances security as well as the integrity, integrity of the state. So, Honorable Rules, a key methodology then for managing immigration risks is to build a complete history of all of those who visited South Africa and then link this to an effective screening process of, uh, of, of, of visitors to South Africa, even before they leave their country of origin, uh, like with the APP that we have introduced where we can do offshore screening of people coming into the country. And uh, basically the purpose of a risk methodology is to ensure that we are able to profile uh, people visiting South Africa well in advance, as well as test the credibility of the travel documentation, their personal identity, and also be able to run um, uh, background checks on the, or, or, or against them uh, on international stop lists that are available, available to us. But the, to do this, Honorable Ruas, through you, Honorable Chairperson, a risk-based methodology is underpinned by a seamless interface of technology, reporting systems, as well as proactive management of immigration by the department. And, and we have not implemented yet in South Africa all of the requirements to be able to manage risk-based uh, immigration. Parts of the strategy was implemented but mainly our weakness is around integrated systems. And until that has been done, uh, we will always have holes within the, 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 the immigration uh, management within, within South Africa. Uh, but we are working at closing that. We have a document uh, uh, chairperson that we can avail to the um, members of the portfolio committee uh, that outlines uh, in detail the risk-based approach to, uh, to, to, to managing migration, as well as the strategy. And we would, uh, uh, we would make that available if there's a need for that. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. McKay, uh, and all the DTGs who responded. Um, can I check with the DG before I invite the DM and the minister? DG, are we... 
No, thanks, thanks, uh, um, Chairperson. And I, I, I think the only one that probably I thought uh, the acting CFO was going to speak to was the question raised by Honorable Pillay around the modernization of our offices. I think in KZN, uh, that work has already started in Stenga, for example, and we hope uh, um, Public Works will ramp up uh, the work in Mokopane, Toyando, and uh, Taung with regards to uh, modernizing those offices. We have also registered 15 uh, offices uh, with uh, the uh, um, infrastructure uh, office in the presidency uh, for modernization as part of a triple P, and that work is uh, underway, Chairperson. Uh, I think, uh, Honorable Molekwa, uh, I think uh, the Moretella matter as part of uh, that Hamanskral uh, area. It's something that's un, under our consideration in terms of the access uh, model. For sure, we'll respond in due course. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, DG. Uh, Deputy Minister? No, thank you very much, Chair, and uh, greetings to all the members of the uh, Portfolio Committee. Uh, just a few issues that I wanted to respond to. The first one is around the digitization program, that it's not just about uh, scanning documents, Chair, but uh, scanning documents is only but one part of the project as a whole. It is about rearranging uh, uh, those particular records, capturing them into the system. So I don't think we should just take it as if it's just about scanning documents and then it ends there. It's actually just uh, the basic part of the project, the issue of scanning documents. The issuing of bed certificates, uh, Chair, in hospitals, is not just about only making it simpler for us to issue bed certificates uh, to parents, but it is also about uh, protecting the credibility of our national population register because we want to capture beds where they actually uh, happen. And I think we have been doing uh, very good progress in the far as rolling out. I think in the past uh, three months this year, we opened about three new facilities, one in Houting, another one in Newcastle. So we, we, we've been opening those facilities. And uh, where we have not reached, we should be able to reach. I must admit that we have picked up in some instances where staff members will really be careless, where they have the capacity to print out a bed certificate there and there. They will actually tell a person to come back later. And we've been correcting that. That the, the reason why we have those facilities is so that where there is a printer, we are able to issue the bed certificate on the spot. But we must also accept uh, uh, colleagues and honorable members that we do have uh, children in our education system. It does not mean that all the children in our education system, you will find them in position of bed certificate. Some of them, they do not have bed certificates because they do not qualify for South African citizenship. Mainly so due to the court judgment uh, that said even foreign national children who are in South Africa, irregardless of how their conditions are in terms of them accessing the country, they, 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 they must not be taken out of school and those children remain in school. But we can't wake up and then say we're going to have a blanket approach to say for everyone who's in a South African school, they must get a South African citizenship. Yes, we are looking at other ways on how we can regularize those people, possibly look at the issue of issuing them with study visas and so on. So you can never accept that everyone who is in school must therefore means that they must be having a bad certificate. In fact, 
fact, just in the previous year, in the previous metric results that were issued, you will find that only about 1,000 of the matriculants actually did not have identity documents. And most of the 1,000 that we had, it's because they were not qualifying for South African citizenship. So we have always made sure that we do that. And we are now ramping up our campaign, not just to focus on grade 12 learners, but also in terms of grade 11 learners. And 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 lastly chair I don't think we should be uh, promoting late registration of birth and making excuses for people that after giving birth you then can stay with the child at home for a period of more than uh, 60 days or even 6 months and so on. We should really be encouraging everyone to register their birth within 30 days because that makes it easy for us to promote and protect the credibility of our population regions. So if we can all just speak in one tone on that, because you don't even need to go to a home affairs office with a child. If you left the hospital without registering a child, you don't need to go back to the home affairs office, uh, office and carry a child with you. As long as you have all the necessary documentation like records of birth, you should still be able to register a child. Those are issues that I thought I should respond to. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Minister Nzunza, uh, for your responses and comments. Minister. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Well, uh, most of the answers, the uh, questions have been answered. Uh, let me uh, just uh, start with a few, the, I mean, start with uh, Honorable Ruos. Honorable Ruos has made a calculation based on on a wrong figure or a wrong assumption. He said something like, we're going to hire young people to digitize three records uh, a day. And, and as I listened to him carefully, he was basing it on the assumption that we've got 30 million records. We do not have 30 million records, Honorable Rose. We've got 300 million records, and they're increasing every single day. Every time a child is born and get a birth certificate, a new record is, 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 uh, is opened. So when these people, uh, these 10,000 youngsters start sitting, the number they start with will keep on increasing every day until they finish the whole digitization. Uh, the, the issue of offices open on Saturday, which many members have raised, I'm really itching like you do, honorable member, but we can't help it. We have reached a deadlock with the unions. They don't want to budge because they've made one single demand. Our, <clears throat> our thinking about Saturday work is that certain people will work on Saturday uh, uh, and they won't do certain days of the week. In other words, it will be in shifts. That's what we are thinking. But the unions are saying, no, use the same people who during the week and give them over, overtime payment. Now, Mr. Sigama has just reported to you that way when we give our people overtime, we actually pay them for that overtime. It's not small amounts of money. It's big amounts of money. Now, what the unions are asking from us is overtime for life. Can you imagine anywhere, whether in the public or private sector, 
where there is overtime work for, li- for life. In other words, people must work during the week and then use same people on Saturdays and you pay them overtime. Where will we get money to do such a thing? If we do that honorable rules, you'll come back to say you are spending too much money, but the productivity is low. So we are not agreeing on that on that one. And that's why the stalemate, whether we go on for two years and three years negotiating is a stalemate. We believe the solution will be when we pass the overall home affairs bill, because we are then arguing the reason that we are in this situation, uh, the, the police, <coughs> the army, health workers, they don't have to debate this issue of whether people work on Saturdays or Sunday. It's part of their work because it's in their bill, you know, the type of work they are doing. So the Home Affairs Bill is going to change Home Affairs uh, to be one of the security departments that can also work over the weekends. Uh, the issue of shortage of staff, yes, has already been answered and there's clear shortage. Now, let me jump to the question on Honorable, uh, from Honorable Kanile, which is important, about the Hillbrook scam. I'm not sure, I was at pains to explain uh, to the public in the country that the scam in Hillbrook is not only uh, scamming home affairs, maybe it's because home affairs produces ground documents. Almost every department or entity, even in the private sector, that produce any form of documents, that scam, you'll find it in that scam. They are producing bank cards. Home Affairs doesn't produce bank cards. They are producing licenses. Home Affairs doesn't produce any license. They produce CIRA cards, a, a private security industry, regulatory authority certificates, which Home Affairs uh, doesn't produce. They are bank statements, which Home Affairs doesn't produce. They are SASA cards, which Home Affairs doesn't produce. So there are whole lots of documents which are being produced there but it's only that they are also, they even have passports from other countries for that matter. And we don't produce passports from other countries. We don't even know how they got them. So at the moment, we are investigating the ground documents from home affairs. Are they authentic or, 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 or are they uh, 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 fake? Now we have gone into the archives to dig the records. If our records of digitized, uh, Mr. Ruos, uh, Honorable Ruos, we will have been even to give you an answer. I personally, on Saturday after Good Friday, the day after Good Friday, I spent the day there at Hilton with the station commander looking at this issue. It has been now brought into the department. We are checking in the archives, the records one by one. Can you imagine if our records were digitized? We'll be giving an answer exactly what that guy has done. But now we have to investigate and investigate and investigate. Uh, the, the other issues on immigration, that, that, that will be my last, on immigration. Yes, Honorable Father Merle, the DG did answer that it's a, it's a global problem. But yes, we have got a crisis. We cannot deny that anymore. It's a very serious crisis. My thinking is the, the, the questions you are asking about 220 operations, etc. Yes, we, we do have uh, uh, consequences, outcomes. In these 220 operations, what was found, how many employers were punished, what have they done, and the, the punishment is just a fine. 
a small fine which they pay and go on with their activities. What am I trying to tell you? That I think those are bent aids, even increasing the immigration of, uh, operations from 220 to 540 is bent aid. What we need is a complete, complete overhaul of the immigration system in the country. And I'm busy with that. I'm even discussing with the cabinet about that. It's, it has to be a huge one, not the small changes we're making. And in this regard, we have already started consulting even uh, bodies like the United Nations itself to find out we've investigated how uh, 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 do we uh, uh, measure to other countries. Uh, three weeks ago or two weeks ago, all the ambassadors of South Africa from all over the world were called to Derko for a conference, a four-day conference. They were addressed by some ministers. I'm one of them. Many of them raised these issues, comparing us to other countries on immigration, telling us what their experiences are, and, and saying they are prepared to help by giving us information on how some countries are handling this. I think we based our immigration a lot on assumptions 28 years ago after democracy. We have now learned our lessons, and we think the time of a complete overhaul is here, and we are busy with that, and very soon, I'm sure we'll be giving you a, a game plan, Honorable Fandermeve, as you're asking. You are 100% right. We need a very clear game plan, not the Band 8 you are doing at the moment. But I think Band 8 is important, starting with the operations and what the Border Management Authority will be doing. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Thanks, uh, Deputy Minister. Thanks, uh, Director General and your team. Honorable members, thanks very much for being interacted with the um, APP. You have raised your comments, and I think we're appreciating the good uh, work uh, that uh, the minister with the entire team, you continuously to demonstrate, but also within the context of uh, uh, service uh, delivery. We want to appreciate uh, the continuous work uh, that uh, all the recommendations of the portfolio committee, um, even where there are challenges, you do come back to the portfolio committee and highlight some of the areas that you might have identified. Commissioner Masiapat, I think the committee agrees uh, that uh, we'll uh, invite you in the interval or in the quarterly to come and update the portfolio committee on the progress implementation on the BMA. And we must take also this uh, to appreciate your work with uh, seen with your team that you've already on the ground to respond to the issues that are before uh, the BMA. Thanks, uh, members. Uh, we're going to step off uh, this uh, item. Other issues that were referred for uh, uh, further consultation, the team of uh, former affairs will then interact with our administrators on some of the issues that they could not have uh, 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 responded. We're stepping off this item and we request the, uh, the minister to give us an update. We have requested uh, the, uh, the minister and the team to give us an update on home affairs intervention in the Eastern Cape and KZN. As you know that uh, the joint special sitting uh, now which will be starting uh, will be uh, reflecting on the, the state of a, a, a disaster in the KZN. Just briefly talk to the report and then the members will, inter will interact so that we release members to attend uh, the sitting at 12 o'clock. Um, I'm trying to give you 10 minutes, uh, Minister and the teacher, uh, uh, to 
deal with the uh, uh, report. Thanks very much, Minister. Yeah, I'll start uh, just by summarizing, and I'll get uh, the DDG mission. I mean, DDC, which Mr. Sigama, but especially the DM, who was the leader of the operations in KZN, but I'll start summarizing. Honorable members, Wazulu uh, Natal has got a total of seven offices. On the 11th of, of April, that is the day on which uh, uh, the damage and the flooding took place, uh, <coughs> all 70, I mean, the day after all the flooding and the damage took place, all 77 offices were offline. They couldn't just function. The, the, the connections were completely washed away. And, and so none of the home affairs offices could ever function on that day. But we worked around the clock the following day on the 12th, 75 offices opened uh, to the public. Only two offices could not function. That's the office in Stenga and the office in Chatsworth. And uh, <clears throat> because the office in Stenga had no connectivity at all. The office in, Fadek, in, in Chatsworth was completely flooded. But I want to state, honorable members, unlike the other departments, we did not have uh, uh, infrastructural damage to our offices. And remember, these are offices that are owned by private individuals in which, Chairperson, can you still hear me? Yes, proceed, uh, Minister. Well, listen. Yes, yeah. So, in which home affairs have, uh, 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 are tenants? Now, none of them were physically damaged. We were just like. So, on the twelfth, as I've said, uh, seventy-five out of seventy-seven offices were operating, and on the thirteenth, we started issuing death certificates. There is something I want to clarify, which I've been clarifying with the media. Because there were, there were there were claims, there was a lady from the funeral industry, uh, coordinating funeral industry, who kept on claiming that they are not able to bury their beloved ones because uh, these are not natural deaths; they need uh, postmortems. Which postmortems, of course, are conducted by the Department of Health. Minister Joe Parker uh, uh, did come out and show how many pathologies they've sent to KZN to help. But on our side, our job is just to produce documents, especially the certificates. And I wanted to emphasize to honorable members here, there is no way that a person won't be buried because home affairs has failed to produce a, a, a death certificate. Even during the highest uh, 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 problems of, of COVID, with a very high death rate, there was not a time when we failed to produce a death certificate for the simple reason that we are able to produce a death certificate manually. And later on, when things have settled, somebody has been buried, it's then that we go and put it in our systems and computerize it in our national population register, and then and, and start giving the family a computerized certificate. So on the 13th, just means uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, uh, Two days after I told you only uh, uh, 75 of our offices were working, we were able to produce 81 death certificates, and 50 of them were produced in one office only. 
the Umgen office, which you know is very uh, a bit problematic. From there on the 14, all the offices started operating and uh, except the Chatsworth office, as I've already said. And where an office like the Chatsworth office doesn't operate, we then go uh, uh, send mobiles. Where there are still roads, we send mobiles. Then our member, the, the, the provincial manager, Mr. Mkwabe, provincial manager of home affairs, is sitting in the disaster management center in KZN. Every discussion there is participating. And they agreed with him that they will provide him with a list of the families that are affected so that we target them and give them a special deal. And what is a special deal? That they are not going to pay a cent for any service we give them. And that if where possible, we go where they are. And that's the program that the deputy minister has started to go where the communities are in order to give them the requisite documents. Lastly, Chair, remember, it's not difficult to give somebody a temporary identification certificate. And some people have been claiming on TV that it's not it's a problem. It's not, because that problem person is already in our systems. It's already in the national population register. To reproduce a document that's already in the national population register, it's a matter of, of minutes. That's why when you want the temporary identification certificate, you will live with it. On the day you go to home affairs, when you go home, you'll be having that certificate. Just like when you want the birth certificate, you don't apply. You live with it on that particular day. Just like when a child wants a birth certificate, if it's the first 30 days of life, you go home with it on that particular day. Where you will delay a, a few days is if you apply and say, I don't want the temporary certificate, I want the smart card. There we have promised that the affected families will give the smart card for a period of between three and, and, and uh, three days and a week after application. That's where we are, Chairperson. In the Eastern Cape, the assessment shows that uh, there is no additional me measure that is needed more than what we are already doing on an everyday basis. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm going to invite the Deputy Minister to run on the presentation. Then members, if you have comments, you comment uh, for noting. Um, the, then the TTGs may do responses to that uh, report so that we, we, we then work on our uh, time schedule. Deputy Minister. No, th thank you very much, Chair. Probably what I will do is just to do a summary uh, of, 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 of what we had actually been doing, but in terms of more details, I'm looking at time as well. So I'm a bit skeptical of running through the presentation one-on-one. -on -one. But the reason why we had actually prepared this presentation is to give background and also what becomes our role as home affairs in an instance where there are instances of disaster. This is not for the first time that we have been running through a disaster situation. In Eteguini, we have actually been involved uh, before where fire actually broke out and uh, we had to replace some of the documents of people who lost their documents on the... I will request that we just uh, stop in this particular slide because it will help us make that particular summer. So we have also done it again. We have, we have also done it in the Western Cape, uh, in the residence of Langa, where a fire broke out. Now, what had happened is that on the 11th, 
uh, of April 22, 2022, in the evening, the flood broke out in which resulted into a loss of life, resulted into people losing their properties, resulted into major destruction in terms of strategic infrastructure. And home affairs was also affected due to the loss of strategic infrastructure in our network architecture systems. And as a result, we had the network uh, problem as from the 12th. Now, that particular problem, which happened on the 12th, by the 13th, it was uh, then resolved, which means out of the 77 offices that we have in KZN, 70, uh, 75, 75 of them were fully operational with the exception of Tongat as well as Chatsworth. In Chatsworth, as from the 12th, we had already put in uh, an interim mechanism by deploying a mobile unit to be there to also assist. I've also been there myself to assess the mobile unit. It is a legacy office, uh, Chatsworth office, but now people are also able to get uh, their, their documentation in the sense of smart ID cards and so on. The department then took a decision that those who are affected by the disaster was then get their documentation for free. We started the media campaign around that, the minister speaking to Newsroom 24, if not ENCA. We also engaged uh, Ukos FM and other radio station, SAFM, so that everyone who was affected can know that we are coming to their areas and they will be qualifying for, the, for them to get their documents uh, for, for free. The system that we then developed is a system that allows us to work with disaster management centers. As people were affected by disaster, they were then moved into safe places. And ours was that as soon as those safe places were opened up, we were able to move into them and get the people in a gathered kind of a way. So the disaster centers will issue us with the list. The list will then be confirmed with the local councillor in that particular SWAT. will then deploy a mobile unit to go to that particular area and get the applications. The applications that we are dealing with, one, debt certificates are continuing to be issued and they were continuing to be issued. I mean, in the period that the, the actually affected us, we do have uh, statistics of, 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 of the services that we're still able to, to carry out. If I can just run through my uh, records here. 134 debt certificates issued, about 600 ICs that were issued, 682 bed certificates, 1,252 smart cations. Those happened in the period in overall KZN. These are figures only for KZN, which shows that in the area, in the period wherein floods had actually affected KZN, we were still operational. The areas that we had actually visited are as follows. Now, where we had actually deployed the mobile unit, we had deployed mobile unit in Chelimnyama, we had also deployed a mobile unit in Tehase, we had also deployed mobile 
units uh, in Umlazi, uh, I think in my area as well. So we had actually service quite a number of people. I think in Chelimiyama we serviced more than 100 people on that particular day. We are now awaiting uh, the lists that should be coming through from Ilembe so that we can also join in in Ilembe. As lists trickle through, we do send mobiles to those areas in uh, collaboration with the councillors to make sure that everyone gets the documents that they, 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 they require. So we have not had really serious challenges in terms of the role that has been played by Home Affairs in making sure that people get their certificates. Now, this project will run up until such a time when we conclude all the people in terms of the list that we have been given. I would think maybe Mrs. Gama will then be able to take us through some of the technicalities, but the slide or that, that is showing in our screen clearly indicates people who have been uh, helped and people who were needing our help in the various areas that we had visited. And uh, the devastation is really with the with the office in Chatsworth, already we are in discussions with the municipality to look at alternative venues because the problem there is also about the location of the building as well as the quality of the building, which really concerns us. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Minister. Uh, did you just gamma comments? Oh, yes, thanks, sorry. Thanks very much. Oh, sorry. All right, no, thanks very much. Oh. Now I was saying addition, did uh, come? Okay, thanks very much, Chairperson. Uh, thanks, Minister. Thanks, Deputy Minister. I think a, a lot of uh, work has been covered by Minister and the Deputy Minister. Yes, uh, the additions are that uh, as a plan going forward in KZN, Chairperson, uh, from today and tomorrow will be in Ugu region wherein we have already deployed two mobile uh, units that are really assisting clients there. And at the end of the day, we should be, able, uh, be getting reports. And I must also indicate that Chairperson, we have received uh, the list of those who have applied. Back office have started now uh, processing all those IDs and we hope by next week we'll be going back to the clients and we'll, have, we'll invite our principals to also to showcase when we end back the products that have been processed. And on the 28th and the 29th, uh, uh, Chairperson, will be in the Ilembe region, wherein we have already uh, uh, organized our clients uh, uh, so that they can then apply for those documents. Uh, suffice to say, uh, ever since we started with this uh, uh, project, uh, Chairperson, we've already issued more than 476 documents to those people who were available on the day. And the products that we have uh, issued already emanate from what Minister said, that includes a birth certificate, death certificate, temporary identity certificates, and, and those are documents that were issued on the spot. So, so in a nutshell, Chairperson, uh, uh, we are doing very well. So far, we have not received a lot of complaints from the ground. We're working very well with other stakeholders. In Eastern Cape, as indicated by Minister, uh, they will have run our assessment as from last week, and they indicated that indeed, uh, they are quite happy with the assessment that have been done so far. And uh, there's, uh, in terms of the demand, there's no need for us really to send additional resources. They are managing and uh, we should be able to then get the final report on what is happening in that particular area. In terms of finances, I think the slide before that shows that already we have spent uh, close to 55980 uh, 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 we're in 179 uh, where for those uh, uh, clients who applied for smart ID cards, which cost about 52,000, 
and the reprints uh, cost us uh, close to 3,000 if you add the two. So all in all, uh, the total number of, uh, of fees that has to be waived, waived uh, by our DG, Director General, uh, it, it cost us, it will cost us 55,980. Remember, this is just work in progress as and when we receive the applications, we then update our books and then write uh, submissions for waiver. So all in all, that's the, the report from uh, Home Affairs uh, Chair, and uh, thanks very much. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Minister TM and uh, TG Sikam. Um, um, I hope uh, Honorable uh, uh, Pillay and Honorable uh, Van der Merve, uh, they are interacting with the work of your department uh, physically in that area, uh, in their constituency uh, uh, area. I'm going to invite comments quickly. Uh, the reports for noting will also get an update as we move along um, from members. Uh, just comments, then... Uh, will end this uh, item. Honorable Lukwase. Thank you very much, Chair. I don't actually have much to say than say to the department, we applaud them for always being on their toes, for always being available to step in whenever intervention from their side is needed. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Ross. Thank you, Chair, and thank you to the department from uh, from my side for for the interventions uh, in, in a very difficult time. Because I'm going to screen on the other building. Then I'm sorry for that, Chair. I'm sorry for that. Sorry, uh, Honorable Ross. Yeah, so, so, so a big thank you from my side. Um, but, Chair, just one question. Though. We, we face these disaster scenarios from time to time. And uh, we recently had a scenario with Ivory Park where there was a disaster there, but the disaster management report didn't have the names of the, the people on there. What, what do we do in those situations? What does Home Affairs do? Is there anything that can be done? Or if, if the names of the persons affected are not on the disaster management report, is there nothing that Home Affairs can do to assist those victims? Thank you. Honorable Tito. Thank you, Honorable Ross. Honorable Tito. Honorable Kanyele. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. We welcome the report and the intervention and applaud the intervention that has been made by the Department of Home Affairs. We have uh, read the report in detail. And lastly, Chairperson, I wish to express my condolences to the families and friends of those who are who were affected in KZN in the Eastern Cape. Thank you very much. Thank you. Honorable Van der Merve. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, First and foremost, I would also like to thank the department for the assistance that they are giving to the people of KwaZulu-Natal um, and to the Eastern Cape. In particular, I was there during the floods and, and Chapers, and it was a horrific period. Um, and I would maybe just like to thank the department for making available these replacement documents, as you had alluded to in your introductory remarks, for free. I think it will go a long way to assist the affected families. But Chapers, and may I just appeal that can I please be given the list of the mobile units, the routes where they'll be going, so that we can make those available to, to our constituencies and to the various mayors and the different municipalities, so that they are aware when these units will be making their way to the various areas. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Muleko. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. 
would like to appreciate the quick response and the intervention uh, by the department. We also would like to note and welcome the report as presented. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Kuni. Honorable Pile. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I must join all my other honorable members in applauding the department for their swift uh, response. But I must uh, particularly place emphasis on the fee waiver. I think this shows a government in action and a government that is caring. I must applaud the minister, DM, and, and Home Affairs um, officials uh, for taking that decision you know, so quickly. Um, Chair, there's <clears throat> one, one challenge we face is that um, the list of persons who require IDs are being submitted through councillors and through municipalities. And I think there is a challenge in some cases where councillors are non-existent in, in, in some wards. And I think we have to find a way around that in terms of ensuring that our people don't suffer at the end. Uh, they must still be able to to get the service. And again, yes, I am in touch with the office in Chatsworth. In fact, I am scheduled to be there today in between our sittings um, because they've identified space that they need some, some negotiations to be done in order for them to be able to secure um, uh, a space. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Deputy Minister, you're closing a, a remark on the issues raised as the leader of the Home Affairs of that part of the program. Well, thank you very much. Uh, firstly, let me thank uh, Honorable uh, Brendan Pillay. Uh, I think your interventions will, will help us quite a lot uh, with reference to the Chatsworth office because we need to get a, a good space for us to be able to operate in. On the issue of the local councils, uh, we are in touch uh, with uh, the local mayors, but we will give... Uh, uh, Honorable Lizelle, the details of where we are going uh, beforehand uh, so that we can also share the information with those who need uh, the information shared for them. I really would like to express that we really need for us to be able to talk in one voice, particularly around issues of disaster, so that we spread the message. Uh, Honorable Ross, we really need the list of the people who are affected because we have seen others really trying to take advantage of the situation who are not affected by the disaster but see this as a free writer for them to then go and get documents that they have been delaying for quite some time if we do not get it from the local uh, disaster teams surely we can get something from the local councillor to say these are the people who are affected and will surely step in to assist thank you very much thanks very much uh, members and the minister and the tm and your team uh, for presenting uh, this uh, item. Uh, we hope that uh, you will interact with all members uh, of uh, parliament, uh, different political parties, all councillors and uh, stakeholders in order to make sure that uh, the issues that are raised in relation to this matter uh, are attended to by the department. And thanks very much uh, for the hard work uh, that uh, you have moved swiftly to interface with uh, our uh, uh, people and render services to our people. Thanks very much, uh, members, uh, uh, in the presentations, the interactions. We'll take forward some of the issues uh, that could not have been responded uh, accurately uh, to this meeting. And I think uh, we'll take a, a responsibility to, to make sure that the recommendations members have raised 
and recommendation that the department have suggested uh, in their course of the APP will uh, make sure that they, they are implemented. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone who attended this meeting. The meeting stand agenda as we're joining the joint sitting of parliament. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, honorable members. Thank you very much. Thank you, Madam Chair.